Hi, I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So, it is the month of October 2021, and is once again that time of the month wherein we do our very special monthly Catching Up on Blu-ray episode. Uh, essentially what this entails is uh, we just take a look at the uh, physical release calendar, uh, the physical media release calendar, that is, uh, and say a little something about any titles that uh, jump out at us. And uh, in joining me in this endeavor, I have my good buddy Brad from the Cinema Speak podcast. How's it going, Brad? It's going great. You know, it is the uh, the month of October, the month of spooks and chills and ghouls and goblins, and there is a... Good selection of horror movies that came out on physical media this month, so a lot of uh, interesting stuff to dig into. It's funny, I can never hear the expression ghosts and goblins without thinking of A, uh, the video game series, the Capcom video game series, and B, Billy D. Williams in Batman 1989 saying ghosts and goblins. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good uh, one, that is good, yeah. Yeah, much more smooth than I just did, but we love you, Billy D. Um, impression, it was good. Yeah, yeah it's, it's slightly practiced, not a whole lot, but um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I have a good feeling about this this month's releases. Uh, it sounds like you, uh, before we started recording, uh, had taken a gander at what's out there, and it sounded like you had a good feeling about it. I, myself, am going in mostly blind, so there's going to be a lot of surprises in here, hopefully. Um, but folks at home, if you'd like to follow along with the uh, the home version of Catching Up on Blu-ray, uh, you can do so by navigating to the lovely website, uh, blu-ray.com, and just head to their uh, release date calendar. Uh, so that's blu-ray.com slash movies slash release dates. Uh, and just head on over to the October 2021 page. Uh, and also, if you're not familiar with how this works, uh, DVDs, Blu-rays, and 4Ks generally drop on Tuesdays of each week. Uh, so we'll go ahead and list the date uh, for whatever titles we're talking about as we go along. Uh, so as it so happens, our first Tuesday of the month of October 2021 falls on October 5th. And right out the gate, Brad, we have a... Uh, is this a very special treat for you? Or is this a, a sign of disgust? And is this an obnoxious slate of releases here? <laughs> it's a little bit of both. Uh, the first five films in the Halloween franchise, so... Halloween, Halloween 2, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, Halloween 4, Return of Michael Myers, and Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers, all coming out on 4K through Scream Factory. Um, now, of course, uh, 2 through 5 making their 4K debut. Um, the original Halloween had already been released uh, on 4K, but not in this uh, you know, collector's edition as they're branding it. So, yeah, I mean, I haven't picked these up. I do already own the original Halloween on 4K, which is unfortunate because if I didn't have that one already, it might be an easy purchase here where I would probably just go all in on them. But it's, you know, it's tough because I already own the first one. So it's like, do I want to rebuy that one on 4K? That'd be a first. I've never done a 4K rebuy yet. Uh, and it's like, well, if I'm going to buy 2, 3, 4, and 5, I have to buy the Scream Factory version of one, otherwise it would look funky on the shelf. So it's kind of it puts you in a weird spot. Yeah, you're at the risk of kind of like inadvertently buying into an entire ecosystem of titles. <laughs> and not only that, it's like kind of an eyesore on your shelf because even if you end up buying all of them, it's like 
you know, I'm pretty sure there's a there's more than just five Halloween movies. <laughs> there's yeah. a there appear to be some missing elements in your uh, your Scream Factory Halloween 4K collection there. Um, unfortunately, that is the world of uh, film rights and distribution and whatnot. Um, I would imagine there's some uh, issues securing the rights to Halloween Six and uh, Halloween H2O and Resurrection and you know the Rob Zombie titles as well, but. Um, yeah, it's kind of weird just uh, having these five films. Um, do you know like what the what the specs are? What's the word on the street regarding the, the image quality behind these guys? Uh, I haven't done a, a real deep dive. Like I haven't I haven't gone in the forums on this one. I'll say, but I've I've read a couple uh, opinions on Twitter and a couple a uh, couple YouTube reviews. Seems like overall they look good. I've heard a couple people mention some uh, issues with frozen grain in the hospital. In Halloween 2, but I've only heard that from a few sources, so I don't think it's, like, overly bad. Um, but I think overall they look pretty good from what I understand. Um, not really many new features compared to the Scream Factory Blu-rays, which I already own, which is a bit of a disappointment. And uh, the cover art, of course, was uh, widely, uh, I guess uh, you could say mocked. We'll just say it was widely divisive when it came out. <laughs> And I don't, I don't hate it as much as a lot of people do, but I agree that for uh, you know a franchise that initially operated on minimalism, they're a little, uh, they're a little busy. And some of the masks, well, I mean, to be fair, the masks and some of the sequels look bad in the movie, but uh, like the Halloween two mask looks like stretched out on the cover, it's pretty gross looking. So I'm not a fan of that either. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. That was going to be my very first question, actually, was your thoughts on the cover art. Uh, Funny enough, that's something that uh, you and I don't touch on as often as I would have expected on these uh, Catching Up on Blu-ray episodes. That's true, yeah. Might have to change that, because it is something that is very important to me, um, but just oftentimes forget to mention it. But yeah, I'm in the camp that I'm not not a huge fan of these covers. it's interesting because the way you have them laid out on the blu-ray.com website uh, as it stands actually looks somewhat better because it looks like a it looks like a panorama or something like mm-hmm. it, it looks like if you were to lay them horizontally like end to end it creates like a tapestry of Halloween which is kind of a neat concept and and the color the color scheme is consistent and it the framing of of all the figures in the in the covers seems to line up that way so if that's how they intended for these to be displayed, that's kind of neat. Um, but yeah, I agree. It's a little bit busy. Um, I'm more of a fan of just like a pumpkin or just like a sliver of Michael's mask in darkness. That's that's all you need, honestly. Um, and it is interesting, though, that they, uh, they put the actual representation of the Michael Myers character from that movie loud and proud on the cover because it's it's no surprise. Like, it's common knowledge. They didn't knock it out of the park every time they put a guy in the costume. <laughs> like, like I always thought it was a funny detail that uh, that it's literally the same mask from uh, Halloween one to Halloween two. It just so happens that the 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 person wearing the mask is different. So the the kind of like fat head he has in the second one is just a result of the person's skull being mm-hmm. fatter. Um, but it's it's apparently literally the exact same mask. But by the time you get to like four and especially five my god uh we, we gotta do better guys <laughs> like we gotta go back to the art department and some people gotta get fired or something but they put it 
loud and proud on the cover. It's like, this is what you're paying for. Hope you're happy. <laughs> I think the, for me, I, I like the movie, but the mask in H2O, which obviously not coming out on 4K, but uh, that iconic shot, which I love the shot when the door is between them and Jamie Lee Curtis looks up and he's right there. But I've seen that image so many times lately, and just that mask looks horrendous, I think. Like, the eye holes are too big. It's so goofy looking. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I agree. I, I actually mostly like that movie. Uh, mm-hmm. it, was one of the, yeah. it was one of the first Halloween movies I saw, maybe the second or third. Um, and, yeah, I remember the marketing for it, and when I finally got around to watching it as a young boy, I, I enjoyed it, and I still kind of do. It gets it mostly right. But, yeah, that mask is one of the worst. You're, I mean, the eye holes in particular, it's like, ah, man, we got to, like, at least Batman up his eyelids or something. You mm-hmm. know, put put some eye black on him or something. Because, like, I, he, this Michael's a little too human, and the hair is all, like, like tossle like it's it's all like it's tease like it's like kind of like poofy yeah it's just it even the body language of the guy in the suit is just all wrong like he has a terrible walk he doesn't carry any real menace to him and yeah he just looks too human it's like i i'm seeing all of the color in this man's eyes in every shot it's like we need (laughs) we can't do that i'm sorry (laughs) yeah but i do like that about the franchise that even though it is essentially the same mask in basic concept they do each movie puts enough of its own spin on it where you know i'd say not, pretty much every mask is not as good as the original i mean you could argue maybe the 2018 version is the one that comes the closest i think just the sort of the weathered and the aged look i really like um but i do like that they give him his own look in pretty much every single sequel yeah, it, it's an important thing. It's kind of like, I don't know, who, whoever's playing James Bond or what, what the new Godzilla suit is going to be or what the recycled Godzilla suit is going to be for each movie. It's kind of a tone setter. Like, mm-hmm. it's one of those things that's it's very similar to like a superhero costume Like where when you put out those initial tease images, it it creates a gut reaction in you that, you know, sometimes it's not wrong. Like so, sometimes just seeing a teaser image of something and, and like having that knee jerk reaction being like, I don't like that uh, is going to translate to exactly how you, how you feel about seeing the thing for two hours uh, yep. in, in a film. Um, and yeah, I, I, I do like the, the way that they at least changed it. Like, even if it wasn't for the better, it is kind of neat to see like a new art department or a new effects crew come in and just, take a swing because mm-hmm. i mean you, you saw the same thing with all the all the slashers like jason always looked different like sometimes radically different um and even freddy krueger like he had a dumb fucking flat hat in the first movie that i i never liked that fucking hat i always thought it looked really fucking stupid and then you get into the later sequels it's like oh that looks better that mm-hmm. looks more iconic and in the second one he had like he had these weird contacts that like made his irises really huge and I always thought that looked striking, but it never carried in to any of the other movies. So it was just an experiment, just isolated to that one movie. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I, I'm i not going to be picking up any of these Halloween 4Ks. But, you know, if if you're in the market for a new Halloween 1 through 5 <laughs> collection of, of 4Ks, they're now readily available. Um, and they're from Scream Factory. So I would imagine even if they don't have any new features uh, from the Blu-ray editions, uh, they probably will be full featured. So probably yeah. probably worth the investment if you're in the market for it. Yeah, I mean if you don't already own them, it's a no-brainer. But yeah, absolutely. Al- although I-, I 
I do still have weird feelings about the idea of just the first five. It's like, yeah, there, I mean, there is there is quite a bit more to this franchise. <laughs> down the road, maybe they do a full set, but it's hard to say, and I can't imagine it would. It's not like it's going to be next year. They're going to be like, oh, now we're going to do all of them in a complete collection. It'd be it'd be quite a ways down the line, I think. Well, it it's just not to completely just like fixate on this, but it's just so strange that it's like, why why not? why not curse of michael myers because because like that that's that's the conclusion of the thorn business and yeah. and you know we'd have a kind of a, a pseudo new beginning in the form of hto after that so it's like five five isn't really an end point in fact five is like the one we don't like to talk about <laughs> like six to some degree the same case but point is six has like a sense of finality to it it's like it has the in loving memory of donald pleasance it puts a, a cap on that chapter in the franchise five is just like it's just like we kind of trail off it's like grandpa falls asleep half like halfway through a sentence <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. like, it's like it's an incomplete thought but yeah like like you said maybe maybe they'll correct it down the line but uh let's keep it moving so we have a a steel book of American Psycho 4K Uncut Edition. Uh, this was released on 4K previously, so I'm not going to say much more about it, but the cover is interesting. I don't mind it. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, it, I, I prefer the original cover, but this is fine. I, I don't mind it. I'm not a big Steelbook guy, but that's a that's a personal thing. Um, what lies beneath, is this the first time this is coming out on Blu-ray? I believe it is, and uh, it's been a long time since I've seen this one. I kind of wouldn't mind dipping back in actually um robert zemeckis i believe right yeah it, that's kind of a shocker honestly yeah. this is not this is not his usual fare i mean it does have some like morphing shots like a handful of them so you know that his technology like fetish is, is is something that follows throughout his like entire filmography but aside from that it's like i none of my memories have it being a Robert Zemeckis film. Like I, none of his other hallmarks are present in there from, from what I remember. Um, I'm not in a hurry to check this one out, but I remember it was kind of a big deal when it came out and I did see it uh, probably within a year of its release in the year 2000. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it could be fun to watch. Like thrillers, like thrillers from a certain era have a, have a certain air of nostalgia I think at least for for people in my age group where it's like it's, there's nothing quite like like a like a 90s thriller but I'll settle for an early 2000s one if if that's all you got like it, it's like a warm blanket you slip right in it's very cozy and did this one I, I can't really remember but did it have a supernatural angle to it I think it did didn't it she's starting to suspect something Brad <laughs> yeah um, it was it was slight I, I forget if it ended up being like a, a fake out like it was just pure like psychological business um but the marketing played it up as as some sort of supernatural shenanigans or something but yeah yeah, so that's that's out there it only took you know 21 years for it to come to blu-ray um but beside that brad we have one that i'm sure is grating on you uh we have a dune on 4k in uh this is from arrow now do you have the blu-ray or the 4k release of this I have I have the 4K. Now this is like I don't know why it's listed here twice because I believe this if you click on both of them it says uh both are steelbooks. So I actually haven't even looked at what this packaging is like in 
you know, I haven't I haven't held it in my hands. But uh, this is the Steelbook version, and I just bought the you know regular limited edition 4K box set, which uh, you know I'm I kind of do like the artwork on the Steelbook a little better, um, but I do like the worm on the one that I have, and uh, also I I just love the regular Arrow box sets. I think they're gorgeous. So I I don't even know what the Steelbook is like in person, but not interested. Yeah, uh, Brad and I generally see eye to eye about steelbooks. Like it, it's its own thing. Uh, neither of us have really bought into the the steelbook ecosystem. But uh, this movie, uh, if you if you feel like checking out a video review of this, uh, Brad actually did a review of the 4K Arrow release, uh, not the steelbook edition, but just the 4K of uh, Dune on his YouTube channel, the CinemaSpeak channel. That is, uh, and I. I quite enjoyed that, Brad. I, I I look forward to any videos you put out. Uh, you 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 have a good on-screen presence. I'll give you that much. Like Thank you. you. you I appreciate have, that. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> you have a very you have a very good delivery. It's 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 cozy. It, you make it very approachable for folks. So look forward to more of those in the near future. But um, beside that, uh, we have a 4K box set from Universal. This is the Universal Classic Monsters Collection from 1931 to 1941. And on the cover, we have Bea Lugosi as uh, Count Dracula, uh, Boris Karloff, that limey cocksucker, as uh, Frankenstein's monster, and is that, uh, ah, what's his face? Um, Lon Chaney? No, uh, the voice of uh, the Invisible Man. Oh, um, uh, Raul or something, right? No, it's on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> God damn it. I'm making a fool of myself. Anyway, uh, it includes the Invisible Man and uh, the Wolf Man, which is Lon Chaney uh, Jr., I believe. Um, and I always think it's funny whenever they put out these box sets. Uh, Claude Rains, by the way. That's why I was Man. thinking Raul. I got the Rains and the Raul. <laughs> I, I just, got I just watched on, this actually. That's why I, I got I, hung up on the limey cocksucker. I was, I was confident like, enough to take a guess because I just watched it, but I was wrong. So, well, you know, maybe you were thinking of isn't that one of the characters from the Phantom of the Opera or something? Maybe you get sure. Sure. Anyway, uh, I always think it's funny whenever they put out these box sets because um, it's always the Universal Classic Monsters Collection. Not featuring the creature from the Black Lagoon, because <laughs> mm-hmm. fuck, because fuck that guy. <laughs> even even though he got you an Oscar kind of sideways in the form of Shape of Water, <laughs> but I've always had an affinity for the the creature from the Black Lagoon. But he is far and away the least represented uh, of the Universal Classic monsters. Um, I so you just watched the Invisible Man not that long ago? Yeah, uh, not the 4K, um, but. With them coming out on 4K, and I've been hearing other people talking about them, and I'm trying to watch as many horror movies as I can this month. At some point, you got to start squeezing in those 71 minute run times. So uh, I, I've watched uh, the first three of these. I watched Dracula, Frankenstein, and The Invisible Man, uh, which Dracula I'd seen before, but I'd never watched Frankenstein or The Invisible Man. Um, and I hear in terms of these 4Ks, uh, again, I haven't done a deep dive, but I've been hearing a lot of people say, like, it looks good, but the only one that really pops is the Invisible Man. I've heard that one looks pretty tremendous on this 4K. The other ones are maybe just, like, slightly minor upgrades over the blues. So it's a bit of an ask for, I think, what what is this going for, like, 60-some bucks for four I mean, for four movies, it's not bad, but... Yeah, 65. 
Yeah, that is that is a big ask, honestly. I mean, I, I very much would like to get all these movies under my belt at some point. I've seen snippets of all of them, but um, I hope Spanish Dracula is included in there because that's that's the one I've always wanted to see, like maybe even more so than the Bea Lugosi version. Yeah, it might be. I, it's included on my Blu-ray that I own. I know that. So it might be there. Yeah, I've always been told that uh, it's it is one to watch. Like it, it is it is quite impressive. In fact, a lot of people think it's the superior version of the film. But um, I would after I, watching Dracula, I would say I would believe it. Well, I I just think I mean it's fitting that you know the most recent Tales from the Shelf, uh, Tales from the Shelf uh, that we did <laughs> uh, was about different cuts of films. And as far yeah. as I understand, the way that different languages of films were put together back in the day was uh, you literally had a translated script you had a different set of actors you had a different crew but you had the same sets Uh, so for Spanish Dracula they just like brought in the Spanish crew and they used the same sets but they moved the camera and did the editing and did the performances differently so working from the same script just in a different language on the same sound stages uh and you get a very, very different product. Uh, so it's it's something I'd like to check out someday. But it's neat that they put these out. Like these are these are films that deserve to be preserved. That you know, if you serve it up to the right audience, especially at the right age, uh, it, when things like effects and and things of that nature don't mean as much, like to a little kid or something, like this this stuff has a has a universal. Eh? universal wink wink nudge nudge appeal to it that that just works and uh these films are a lot of fun to come back to so i'm not gonna be picking this up but i i don't know i'm kind of in the mood to watch any one of these right now so maybe after we're done recording i'll put one on because 70 minute runtime man can't beat that (laughs) even though even though i will say dracula at 71 minutes Felt a little long, I gotta say. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, editing and shooting was done a little differently. It was like a totally different art form, but uh, is what it is. But uh, beside that, we have a uh, Scream Factory, no, Shout Factory release of uh, Elvira's Haunted Hills from 2001. I have not seen this. Uh, I have seen Mistress of the Dark, and I do remember it being a lot of fun. Uh, in general, I like Elvira. I think she's I think she's a lot of fun. She's she's camp as all fuck, and it's it's delightful. Uh, but I can't speak for the quality of this one. But again, kind of neat that they're putting stuff like this out. Um, I don't imagine is this the first? T- yeah, I think this might be the first time the Time Machine from two thousand and two is coming out on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. I think it is. Um, yeah. I mean, it's understandable. I don't think it knocked anyone's socks off when it came out. Um, I remember seeing. Uh, the was it from the 1950s uh the the older version of this movie when i was a little kid it was like a library rental that my dad brought home one day and i had a lot of fun with that one but this one um i remember the marketing for it just had me like kind of scratching my head i was like is that jeremy irons does he have like force powers is he an albino <laughs> i was like oh he's a smart morlock i don't remember a smart morlock that's different <laughs> but, wow. yeah I, I don't remember i don't think i know anybody who's seen this have you brad yeah i tell you you were scratching your head with the marketing i was sold i don't know why <laughs> but when i was younger i wanted to see this movie so bad i have no i don't even know why but for some reason i was like i gotta see the time machine finally uh, rented it and uh yeah well i watched it once um didn't really make much of an impression i guess maybe and this is this is a loose theory that has no research backing it but maybe it was like a 
produced in the afterglow of the mummy movies or something yeah like could maybe be. that it's like hmm, hg wells it's like hmm, it's a period piece and it's also an adventure film it's like we can we can kind of piggyback on that action adventure slash horror vibe that the mummy movies had because those those were box office like boffo man they were kicking oh, yeah. all sorts of ass so i wouldn't be surprised if the time machine got produced on the strength of the reputation of those or something but i don't remember it being terrible um it just it was just kind of a fart in the wind but you know it's it is always funny to me whenever you see a uh, guy pierce in these kind of roles because time has shown that he's not really meant for that like he he's one of those guys that i think like because of the way he looks and the way he carries himself like he at one point in time was oftentimes typecast as like the handsome leading guy but it's like dude guy pierce is way better when you just let him be a fucking weirdo and just like let him take things for a walk and it seems like in later years they found they found the right place for him but in this time period it's just like he's he's hot put him put him in the leading man like shoes it's like he's way better when you just let him be the weird guy in the background (laughs) yeah that's that's his pierce of the puzzle if you know what i'm saying (laughs) Wow. <laughs> Hang up on your ass, Brad. <laughs> it's funny. As... I didn't I didn't see that uh that lawless movie about the the moonshiners. Um but I remember seeing like a a clip from the marketing where he's in there. Like I don't think he's uh, he may be like the antagonist or something, but I remember just seeing a clip of him and I was like, "Is that guy Pierce without eyebrows?" And I was like, I mean that that makes sense. Like, like I'm not I'm not entirely shocked, but it looks weird. It's always gonna look weird. People without eyebrows are terrifying. <laughs> yeah, he's weird because he's always somebody that like at least nowadays he's not like a big enough cachet of a name where they're gonna like market him in things. So a lot of times you'll just be watching something and he'll show up and you're like, that kind of looks like Guy Pierce, and you're like, oh, it is Guy Pierce. <laughs> Yeah, no, that that happens a lot. Like especially when um he's wearing like heavy makeup or something. And it's just like, hang on, is that guy Pierce? It's like, Holy shit, that totally is Guy Pierce. <laughs> it's like guy, guy Pierce is on this Kate Winslet HBO show. Yeah, see, he just finds his way into things. Like you're absolutely right. He just kind of shows up in things now, and we're always happy to see him. It's just he's never advertised. Mm-hmm. It's like they know better. It's like he's not going to be a selling point, but everybody will be happy to see him. So just let him be a surprise. Let him be that that little Red Rider BB gun that's not be not under the tree, but like behind the furniture. <laughs> <laughs> they got they got to suss him out. They got to find him on their own. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this much though. Um, when uh, when he popped up in uh, that terrible Michael B. Jordan movie, um, Without Remorse, I think it was called. Oh, he's in. See, I didn't even know he was in that. Exactly. <laughs> and then when he showed up, though, I was really I was angry with Guy Pierce. I was deeply upset. I was like, Guy Pierce, you were so much better than this movie. Get out of here, Guy Pierce. We all know why you're here. And it's like it. He's supposed to be like a pivotal character in the story. It's like, no, no, I know what you're doing. Get out of here, Guy Pierce. And it just bummed me out because the movie was at a point where I was like, I, I'm thoroughly disengaged with this. And then he shows up. It's like, well, now I care again. It's like, but I'm mad because I don't want him to, I don't want him to obviously do the things that he's obviously there to do. And it's like, fuck, <laughs> Guy Pierce is so much better than this. Anyway, moving on. Uh, we have our first uh, 
Criterion release uh, for the month of October 2021. Uh, we have a little thing we often say here on Catching Up on Cinema, and that would be uh, if it's in the Criterion collection, it is probably worth your time, uh, regardless of whether you are familiar with it or not. And uh, this is a Japanese film called Onibaba from 1964. This is directed by Kaneto Shindo, uh, who I do not know. I have not seen any of his films. However, I believe he has one other already in the Criterion Collection. I think it's uh, Kuroneko. Uh, so I would expect uh, he's quite the accomplished filmmaker if you got two uh, Criterion films under your belt. Uh, we got a Tex, Ari- Tex Avery uh, box set. Uh, We have a Warner Archive Collection release of Night Shift from 1982. Uh, All I remember about this one is it's a Ron Howard film. Uh, Do you know this one at all, Brad? Uh, No, that that was the only thing I knew about it, too. Ron Howard. Yeah, it's just one of those weird little trivia factoids. I couldn't even tell you why I know that. I just do. (laughs) Um, But bopping right along, uh, we have a... uh, 4k release of the hunt for red october which i believe was released on 4k in steelbook form uh but now it's available in just like standard uh, box form mm-hmm. uh do you have any feelings about this one brad hunt for red october yeah uh, i've actually never seen it okay so it's one that i would like to see so it would be a potential pickup this is a uh what is it is it uh jack R- ryan jack ryan yep i've seen uh Patriot Games and what's the other Harrison Ford one? Uh, Clear and Present Danger. I've seen those two, but I haven't seen this one. Yeah, uh, you saw the good ones. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> most of the other ones are kind of iffy. Yeah. Um, some of all fears, I remember being mostly pretty flat. Um, Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit, which, my God, Brad, did you get me to bring that up two months in a row? I think you did. Maybe. I feel like it's come up before <laughs> that movie that nobody saw and nobody cares to remember somehow you 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 gave me reason to bring it up twice in 60 days that's bonkers like kenneth Branagh's ears must be burning like like on the, his google alerts are probably just going off the chain right now he's like what somebody talked about jack ryan shadow recruit <laughs> <laughs> that movie's kind of a fart in the wind also um although it is it sets a funny precedent actually because it's a uh, directed by kenneth Branagh. And because it's directed by Kenneth Branagh, of course he's in the film uh, as the antagonist, as a Russian villain, uh, using the exact same mannerisms and and accent as he would go on to do in Tenet. Um, mm. So it's like mm, it, yeah. it's interesting that he'd kind of like parlay uh, skills obtained on a different film uh, into a Christopher Nolan movie, like a three hundred million dollar Christopher Nolan movie. It's like, so hang on, are you are you phoning it in right now, Kenneth? <laughs> Did you come onto my set to phone it in? It's like, no, <laughs> no, yeah. Chris, not Jack at all. Jack Ryan was all just uh, audition tape. It was a feature length audition tape for Tenet. I mean, it's funny because it's one of those things that because nobody fucking saw Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit, and I'm never gonna say that full title again. By the way, um, <laughs> because nobody saw that fucking movie, I didn't hear anybody mention uh, the Kenneth Branagh performance like transferring to Tenet. Because nobody knew that, except for me. <laughs> this is why, in, in reality, I know this is not practical, and if I followed this, I would have no show, you would have no show, but in reality, you should not review a movie unless you've seen every single movie that's been released before it, because you just might not know. You might not know. It could be ripping off of a movie that nobody knows about, and yep. uh, you just don't know. 
Yeah, people shouldn't say anything on the internet. Because, because <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's the sad truth of the matter, Brad. People just mm-hmm, shouldn't yeah. say things because you never know, man. <laughs> There's always a bigger fish. There's always some guy with a ponytail who will put his finger up and say, "Well, actually." And yeah. then you're in hot water, boy. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, then you are fucked. Um, but at least they listen to your program. <laughs> That's Hopefully. true. That's true. Um, but yeah, Hunt for Red October, uh, I I enjoy it. I, I like it. I like submarine movies in general. Um, and, and thrillers, again, from this era have a particular feel to them that is, it's very cozy for me personally. It, it really does take me back. Um, and this one's no exception. It's a, it's an exceptional military thriller. Um, Sean Connery's great in it. He doesn't have that much screen time. I believe this was one of those films that uh, he got uh, John Milius uh, to come on uh, to pr- the production to uh, punch up his speeches. Um, because that was a thing that Sean Connery, that was like his trump card uh, on almost every film he worked on, or at least all the big ones, is that he, he would uh, farm out his chunks of the script uh to other writers uh to punch up his dialogue to make his to make his dialogue punchier and weightier than everyone else on the set um so sean connery is a great actor but he also was wise enough to know it takes great writing to make great performances um and john melius was oftentimes his go-to for stuff like that and uh basil polidorus uh, did the score for this one uh, Robocop, uh, Conan the Barbarian, uh, Starship Troopers, many, many other great films. And his score for this is fucking awesome. Uh, in particular, the 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 Russian choir uh, that serves as the anthem for the Red October is... Mm, you should look it up, Brad. It's tremendous. Um, but yeah, I had a friend who... Uh, a couple friends, actually. Who this, is, this was like their fucking movie when they were kids. Uh, it wasn't for me, um, but when I did get around to watching it, it did not disappoint. So... I don't think I'm going to be paying uh, for the 4K of this. Um, but now that I'm looking at the cover, which is oddly uh, teal or aqua colored as opposed to red. <laughs> weird, yeah, weird choice there. Um, which is a really weird choice, especially considering the original cover art, like the VHS cover art was most certainly red, as is the title of the film. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to be buying this. But now that I'm looking at it, it, it does make me like really want to go back and rewatch it so at the very least I, I wouldn't be surprised if I end up watching it again very soon uh but beside that uh speaking of a collection of cuts brad uh we have a film that did you uh did you guys review this in any capacity for the cinema speak podcast uh it wasn't a full review but i did watch it and talk about it it's the uh sequel to the acclaimed i uh, was it 2019 film escape room it's escape room tournament of champions which uh, I gotta say, these films are a pretty good time. I actually, I think they're not very good, but there is something about putting these characters in a, a room that is going to kill them, and it, it's basically like a PG thirteen version of Saw. They have to figure out the clues, they have to figure out how to get out of there, and just the production design on some of the rooms is pretty creative and clever and fun. Like there's some pretty good stuff. Um, so yeah, I probably won't be picking this up but uh i did have a good time with it now i don't know if uh, i need an extended cut of a uh, escape room tournament of champions but hey it's there so i if i do pick this up i probably will check out the extended cut at some point 
Yeah, let me know if you do, because I, I do seem to remember you mentioning both of these films in the past, and it did sound like they were fun. And uh, there is something to that format. I mean, for fuck's sake, we got how many saws consecutively every Halloween uh, for how many years? Uh, there's a reason why people come back to it. It's because the format, like, just we're not asking you to innovate. We we just want you to do the thing you've been doing it because it it's fun. And I, uh, yeah, it did it did sound like they have a similar similar structure to them, although uh, I would hope they don't do the saw thing and try to like tie in all the movies like like beat for beat because that i it got to a point with in saw where it was actually it kept me coming back because i thought it was so hilarious some of the some of the like mental gymnastics they had to put themselves through uh just to make sense of the damn thing after a while Mm -hmm. there is a bit of a recurring story between the two because we do have several carryover characters i mean that's the whole thing it's the tournament of champions so our survivors from part one are put into the tournament of champions and have to uh, try to escape and become the best of the best. And there is there is some kind of ridiculous overarching story with the people who are putting this on, but that's kind of just like you know the sort of uh, the bookends to the film, which you can kind of just take or leave it. Well, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if I get around to watching these at some point. Maybe maybe when they do like two or three more sequels. Maybe then I'll jump on board. That's kind of what I did with both Saw and The Purge, honestly. was like when when I became aware, like nor- at the point where most people just like say, fuck that, I'm out. Like I-, I can't possibly be bothered to jump into that. For some reason, when it comes to trashy horror movies, that's when I want in. <laughs> like like when I look at how many Children of the Corn movies there are, and when I look at how many Puppet Master movies there are, and when I look at how many Leprechauns and Saws and like hopefully Escape Rooms... Like when it gets up to a certain number of sequels, it's like, oh man, I want to check out that. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that seems like my kind of crap. <laughs> so maybe I'll jump in at some point. But yeah, it, it looks like fun. I I don't see a way that you could like totally scoff at and say it's like it's totally devoid of entertainment. It's probably just not your brand of entertainment if that's the case. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I mean, they're just they're fun. I'm trying to um, see if I can pull up a uh, a budget for this it made made 50 the sequel made 51 million dollars worldwide so i'm guessing that seems like it was probably profitable yeah i mean horror horror is generally profitable there's a reason why blumhouse just fucking works it's because their their uh, investment and their return ratio is fucking insane like 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 really if you if you look at their numbers it it's just it's baffling it's like wow you put in two and you got back 200 let's do more of that <laughs> yeah F- 15 million dollar budget 51.8 million worldwide so we're probably going to get another one thank goodness yeah and even if you doubled the the budget for marketing or something which i don't think you you have to for a movie like that uh, that's still quite a bit of profit so yeah you'll probably be getting at least two more of those <laughs> so look forward to that brad yeah i'm excited uh, and beside that, uh, we have a uh, Paramount Pictures release, and it looks like this is actually debuting on the format of Blu-ray, uh, Dead Again from 1991. And uh, when I opened this up, I, I the title didn't ring a bell, but when I opened it up, hey, guess who, Brad? Directed and starring Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> this guy's everywhere. This fucking guy. <laughs> so um, I, on closer inspection, I find that I... I kind of want to see this movie, Brad. So we got. I like I like that artwork actually. I do too. 
Yeah, it's pretty good. I like, I like the artwork. The title is not especially memorable, but it kind of works. And uh, when I look at the production, like when I look at the people involved, it's like, you know, I really want to see this. We got Kenneth Branagh, which as much as I make fun of the guy, he is a selling point. I do actually like him quite a bit. It's only it's only when you know a guy and when you appreciate a guy's work that you can make fun of him like the way I do. Um, and we have a young Emma Thompson. We have a young Andy Garcia. Uh, hopefully a clean shaven Andy Garcia. I, I like when the eyebrows are the highlight, not the not the beard. Uh, we have a we have Robin Williams, not all that young, but still quite hairy. And we also have Wayne fucking Knight in 1991. Then you know it's going to be good. That guy Sold. Has been in so many good movies. Oh, did you hear, uh, Brad? Um, they put out a, a Wayne Knight sitcom pilot uh, just the other day. I did. I didn't watch it, but I saw the headline. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't watched it either, but I I have to see that because I I love the man. I love his work, um, and I I very much would like to see a, a Wayne Knight centered product. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. I'll have to look that up and check it out. But yeah, the, everything about this this Dead Again movie uh, seems like if I was to blind buy it, I probably wouldn't be upset with myself uh so that, that might be one to check out um and beside that uh space jam a new legacy on 4k brad is this is this just coming out i think so i think yeah you, i think are you fucking serious i feel like space jam 2 was out like ages ago <laughs> maybe not maybe it was I, I can't remember but either way uh, i'd avoid it um uh- <laughs> I will say, still, I, I don't have anything to say about this piece of garbage, but I will say um, the creator of Squid Games uh, recently dissed this movie. Did you hear about this? No. Uh, go on. I guess there was something where LeBron James and one of his teammates, I don't even think they were like knowingly on camera or something. They were just like being filmed somewhere on the sidelines, but you could pick up what they were saying. And they were talking about Squid Games. And uh, LeBron James was like, said he didn't like the ending. He did. He didn't like the ending of Squid Games at all. And uh, the creator, and it went viral. And the creator of Squid Games, I guess, tweeted out, and he was like, "Dude, you're in Space Jam too." <laughs> oh, oh! But then I, I think he like commented, <laughs> and he was like, he he tweeted after that, and he was like, "I'm I'm just playing. You're a legend." Or so. He, so he was like nice about it after, but I mean that's pretty good diss. <laughs> I mean that's all you gotta say. He just he just he's he just gave him a, a digital verbal flick in the nuts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Damn. That's awesome. Yeah. So and, yeah. How's your uh, how's your squid game viewing going? Uh are you doing it like one a week or something? Uh I've still only seen the first episode. I've been too busy. I think once uh October's over, I'm gonna do some dive in on some T V shows. I've just been uh just cramming nothing but horror movies man it's been it's been a lot yeah my uh my viewing has been all sorts of sporadic uh i, I rewatched uh dark city uh last mm. night and it didn't it didn't work all that well brad not yeah. gonna lie yeah i i used to really like that movie i now i don't think i do <laughs> it's just one of those things man yeah, and other than that, I've just been watching a lot of fucking Ultraman. It's like, <laughs> it's like Japanese children's television. <laughs> but I guess that tells you where my my uh, mental health has been. It's like I, I need I need a security blanket in the form of a uh, Japanese men in giant rubber monster suits fighting each other. <laughs> hey, whatever <laughs> makes you happy, man. Whatever gets you off. Yeah, whatever gets you off, indeed. Um, but yeah, Space Jam: A New Legacy. I didn't bother watching it, even though I have HBO Max and had it when it was available on the service. 
and not going to be bothering with it anyway because yeah it was not made with me in mind and i feel like i'm just gonna i'm just gonna like be very unhappy with the world if i watch it like <laughs> like it's just gonna put me in a foul mood and make me watch more ultraman <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh so let's keep right on rolling um we have perfume colon the story of a murderer from paramount as well uh this is from 2006 and uh Interesting cast here. We got Ben Wishaw, who's not a selling point for me personally. Um, and then what appears to be Alan Rickman. Yes, that is Alan Rickman before his unfortunate passing. And uh, Dustin Hoffman. Uh, I have no fucking clue what this is, but uh, I mean, it's Alan Rickman and he's big on the cover. So maybe it's worth a watch. Yeah, I don't know anything about it, but I do recognize that cover from like video stores, I think. I don't know why, but that cover is somewhat iconic to me, even though I never looked into what the movie was. Something about the the font and that red banner on it uh, feels feels very familiar. Mm-hmm. Uh, it Actually, the red banner and the, the petals make me think of um, House of Flying Daggers, uh, the Zhang, uh, Zhang Yimou film. Uh, it makes me think of the DVD cover for it. I could be I could be totally wrong on that, but that's just what my memory is telling me. Yeah. Uh, but we have a uh, Phantasm one and two, 1979 and 1988 from Well Go. Uh, it's an odd pairing, uh, being as they they put out their super duper awesome box set not too long ago, which includes all the Phantasm films. Although, from what I understand, um, there is a kind of a generational gap uh, between these first two films and the later sequels. Like these ones bear much closer resemblance to the ones that would follow, so maybe that's why they paired them up. It sounds like sounds like casual fans of the franchise probably would only be interested in the first two, so it's like it's probably a good idea to offer that as an option. Yeah, I would say that's probably a good a good bet. Although actually, for some reason, I think I preferred the third one over the second one, um, just slightly. But yeah, I. I would say, yeah, after the first one, you're pretty good to tap out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've never bothered with the Phantasm film franchise. Some of the iconography is, of course, very interesting. The silver balls and the tall man and all that business. At, same with the music as well. But the story just sounds just like nuts in a way that doesn't sound appealing to me. It sounds confounding and taxing, uh, mm-hmm. such that I've just kind of stayed away from it. But it's okay you don't have to like everything uh, nor do you have time to watch everything so it's okay that i haven't seen phantasm um i'm gonna kick it off to you brad what jumps out at you next well I'll just real quick say that you can buy dracula frankenstein and the wolfman individually on 4k but not the invisible man what, what a piece of crap that is <laughs> that's some um, bullshit especially if that's the good disc I know that would probably maybe that's probably why they didn't do it. I mean um, that's that is that is kind of wise actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'll mention quick here. I haven't picked these up, but I'm very intrigued. Uh, we have from Cauldron Films the Collingswood story and 1974 La Possession de Altair. Um, these are both found footage films, and I kind of have a soft spot for found footage. Um, the Collingswood story is. I've heard mixed things about both of them. I think overall I've heard people say 1974 is a bit of a better film. But this one I'm intrigued by because it's from 2002. And so, you know, kind of early-ish found footage before it really kind of took off. 
But even more uh, impressive is that this is kind of uh, an unfriended type film. It's a screen life film before screen life was a thing. It is uh, found footage and it does take place, I think, maybe not entirely, but a good chunk of it is on a computer screen. And it's, you know, a computer screen from 2002. So obviously going to be uh, very dated at this point. But uh, I think it uh, sounds interesting. And the trailer that Cauldron Films put out, or maybe it was just a trailer I watched, I don't know. But I, I thought it looked pretty uh, effective and intriguing. And I, I'm kind of in. I, I would like to check this out. Um, 1974, the the Possession one is kind of just a, you know, I think it's a Spanish language exorcism found footage movie, which, you know, whatever. But this one... The Collingswood story has definitely piqued my interest. Yeah, I mean, like what I know of you and 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 your horror movie tastes, uh, it sounds right up your alley. Yeah, um, I I wasn't aware of this film, and like you said, two thousand and two, uh, that's that's very early uh, to have that style of presentation. It may may even be the earliest example I know of at this point. Um, and folks, like it, it should be noted, I actually didn't even know the name of the subgenre until Brad pointed it out to me that the screen life films. I, I'm I'm aware of the films uh, for sure, but I just I just didn't know what they were being labeled. Um, so it's it's neat that that they're putting this one out because 2002. Wow, I mean that's not that far removed from like Blair Witch and other movies of its ilk. Um, and that is quite the gimmick in 2002. So, yeah, uh, I hope you check that one out because it sounds right up your alley. Yeah, definitely. And I'm sorry, I keep looking at this cover art for The Victim from 1972, and I keep seeing Amy Adams. Yeah, <laughs> I, I see that a little bit, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's the the cover's tilted and angle, so it, it probably, like, stretches her proportions in just the right way or something. But um, at, uh, Elizabeth Montgomery, apparently, but uh, it's called The Victim, and it's from Kino. It has a slipcase. It's from 1972. Uh, that's all I'll say about that, because that's all I know. Um, and beside that, we have uh, The Stand from 2020 to 2021, and this is from Paramount Pictures. And Brad, correct me if I'm wrong, but was this like a Paramount Plus uh, product? I think technically, I could be wrong, but I think technically... When it was released, it was still branded as CBS All Access. Oh, fuck. <laughs> but it was the same service, so yes. Oh, man. So that means f- how many people saw this? <laughs> not many, and I've, I've heard not good things either. Um, but I, d- I have just recently read the book, um, so I probably will check this out at some point. I do have the original stand, which I've never watched in its entirety on Blu-ray. Um, I would, so I would like to watch that as well. Uh, I gotta say, I do love the the cover art on this. That uh, telephone pole in the shape of a cross. That's 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 good. I I like that. Yeah, it is a handsome package, and uh, it's funny because I didn't hear I didn't hear anything about this. All I was aware of its existence because I was frustrated that I wasn't watching it because I was I'm familiar with the stand. I I attempted to read the book when I was a little too young, and that's probably what kept me from finishing the book because that's quite the tome. Um, but I'm very familiar with the story. I did see the the TV movie from the 90s. Uh, so I was actually kind of hyped for this when it was coming out. Unfortunately, it got dumped on a streaming service that nobody I know has, uh, including me. Uh, so I didn't bother watching it, and nobody fucking talked about it. So yeah. I didn't know if it was good or bad. All I knew was there's, a, there's something gravely wrong here because no one's saying anything about it. So 
this is something I could see myself checking out, actually. Not buying, but if it appears on a streaming service or something that I do have, I, I will waste my time watching this because it's it's the stand, goddammit. That's what you do. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm signing up for uh, Paramount Plus, the free trial for uh, the new Paranormal Activity movie. So maybe I'll uh, try and squeeze it in when those uh, in those seven days. We'll see. What's the subtitle on the the new Paranormal Activity? Next of Kin. It is, uh, I think it takes place in like an Amish community or something of that. I don't want to say it's actually the Amish, but a similar type of, uh, you know, lifestyle, but still found footage. Uh, I think I'm, I'm assuming it's a group of people coming to film these people. I don't, I don't know. It's but I'm in, I'm in. It's funny. I think I have a Patrick Swayze movie, uh, called next of kin that takes place in a Kentucky holler, um, it, it was a weird 90s movie that I, I just I had to watch because it has like a young Liam Neeson in it pretending like he's from Kentucky and he's supposed to be like a, a hill person from Kentucky. I was like, <laughs> Liam Neeson in the 90s? It's like, he can't cover his accent now. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's like, you're asking him to do that in the 90s? Are you fucking kidding me? Oh, that's got to be fun to watch. And then like Adam Baldwin's in there as like a gangster and Patrick Swayze has to ride into, ta- ride into the city on horseback to avenge Liam Neeson. It sucks, but on paper, it like I was like I have to see this, such that I ended up like putting down a few bucks to just buy the DVD without having seen it. I was like I must know what this is, <laughs> but I like how I can just ask what the subtitle is because movie studios are allergic to numbered uh, sequels. I th- I think it's because they don't they're embarrassed by how many sequels exist for these properties. So unlike Halloween 1 through 5, it's like we're, we're just going to put a subtitle on it and hope they forget how many times they've gone to the, see, the theater to see the same damn thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm excited for you because uh, paranormal activity is a big deal. Um, and, you know, it's it's that found footage shit. I, I know you go for that. So hopefully that ends up being a fun watch for you. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Deep breath. <laughs> Now what uh, the the milking of the uh, the Romero estate continues, Brad, uh, because we've mm. we've talked about this as we as we go through the the Blu-ray That's calendar right. month by month. We're starting to notice like, hey, George Romero's been dead for a while, right? It's like, man, that guy sure is busy. <laughs> like he puts out a lot of stuff. Because uh, yeah, folks, uh, we have Night of the Animated Dead. From 2021 and this is a warner brothers animated film uh, i don't know if this is traditional hand-drawn animation or cgi uh, i haven't bothered to check but uh gut reaction to this brad do you have one uh no i mean and like my gut reaction is no not no i don't have one it, my gut reaction is a no i'm not interested and uh gotta say the animation i'm looking at some screen caps here not a fan. <laughs> uh, I, actually, I should do that. I, I need to know what this guy looks like. Oh, for one, it's in color, which is already kind of like a... <laughs> it's like, like, had a mini stroke just then. Um, oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, not 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 working for me. I mean, I, I wasn't going to watch it to begin with, but just... Mm. It looks like the shit I would have on in the middle of a weekday afternoon when I was growing up that I thought was ugly back then. <laughs> uh, uh, no comment I'll, I'll just leave that hang out there but um <laughs> shit yeah it, it's not particularly handsome i mean warner brothers as an animation studio i'm sure 
uh, they put out good stuff sometimes, but for the most part, like it seems like their their DC like comics films tend to be of like a certain standard of quality that's not exemplary. It's just like it it gets the job done. We're not we're not trying to impress you with this. We just we're just gonna make a thing, and if you're a fan of the thing, you'll buy it. Um, otherwise, you'll be deeply unimpressed. <laughs> what's the point? I, I just I don't know what this is really. But what's the why even do this if you're gonna make all the like characters look exactly the same? Like, what's the point of that? Like, why wouldn't you? Uh, uh, I don't know. I may maybe this is a tinfoil hat moment. These happen from time to time. Um, <laughs> so a while back, there was a situation where uh, you know Roger Corman had to make a Fantastic Four film. Uh, he was a hired gun. Uh, to produce that film because I think it was a a German fella owned the the film rights to the Fantastic Four comic book characters, and his ownership of those rights would lapse if a film was not made within a certain time frame. Therefore, a film didn't have to be a good film, but a film had to be produced um, by a specific date, which is why he reached out to Roger Corman, the king of schlock cinema. And got the fucking thing done. Um, this happens from time to time. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man was the same deal, where you know we had our Sony Spider-Man movies with Tobey Maguire and Sam Raimi, and then there was a chunk of time where there wasn't Spider-Man, and then curiously we get those Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies that nobody seemed to give a shit about. But as far as I recall, the reason for that was to maintain ownership of Spider-Man, was to just secure the rights to Spider-Man. Um, so they just had to make a movie. So Tinfoil Hat says we want to re- we want to re- retain the rights to maybe not necessarily Night of the Living Dead or maybe specifically Night of the Living Dead or maybe just the of the dead uh, like trademark. That could and, be because well, and in order to do is... so, we need to produce a film because Night of the Living Dead is in the public domain. I'm pretty sure, correct? I think you're right on that one. Yeah. yeah. But maybe it's some, yeah, maybe it could be of the dead. That could be potential. Yeah. Yeah. That That's tinfoil hat has, has no actual evidence backing it, but that's just what my gut says. But yeah, th- this is, it's not deeply offensive. It's just weird. It's like, why? <laughs> it's like, it's not well, like you're, it's not like it's going to be better. <laughs> like, I'm deeply offended. I'll say that. I, I, I perfectly understand that, Brad. I think you're I think you have a stronger connection to the franchise than I do. And it, I do th- I do find it kind of ghoulish, though, the idea of all these George Romero products continually popping up quite a while after the man's been dead. You know, it, it's a little sleazy, if you ask me. Yeah. But anyway, uh, we have a we have a movie that's actually uh, not debuting on the format. But I just want to highlight it for just one second, because. Uh, I did read the book that this was based off of, and the movie's not exceptional by any means, but it was kind of a big deal for me when I saw it because uh, it, it came out at the right time. Uh, we have The Relic. Uh, there's too many horror movies called The Relic these days. Uh, I can think of at least two that have come out within the past two years yeah. uh, that get confused in discussions because they're very, very different from each other, and they both came out very recently. This is a totally different relic. Uh, it's based on a novel, and it came out in 1997 and has uh, animatronic and uh, creature designs uh, by Stan Winston, uh, who was kind of my hero in 1997. Uh, so when this movie came out, I was familiar with the book. I did read the book, and I saw the movie, and I was like, yeah, that movie was 
all right. <laughs> and I, I still come back to it from time to time. I think Kyle ended ended up watching it on my recommendation. He was deeply unimpressed. But, you know, you had to have been there because I saw this in like 1997 and 98. I was like 10 or 11. I, I had read the book. It was a big deal for me. Um, so, Brad, have you are you familiar with this? Have you seen it? I've never seen it, but I uh, do know it by just I'm pretty sure it was unless it's a different relic but i'm pretty sure i uh constantly saw it popping up on cable like in the early to mid 2000s oh yeah it was one of those for sure like, yeah An- anaconda deep blue sea the relic uh, yeah uh yeah they they made the rounds to say the least <laughs> but yeah it, it's not an exceptional film it's just one that i have a soft spot for but um i'll pass it off to you again brad what jumps out at you uh, there's a couple uh, other Kino releases this month. Uh, we got, um, let's see, Scream Pretty Peggy with Betty Davis. Um, we've got, I think, Trick or Treats, I think, is a Code Red. But uh, Code Red and Kino are, you know, they're kind of, they're in bed together. They love each other. <laughs> and then uh, we've got the uh, the Screaming Woman, also Kino. I don't know much about any of them, but um, Scream Pretty Peggy has got some... Uh, pretty striking artwork with the knife and you know i don't know who speaking of resurrecting the dead i don't know who controls betty davis's estate but they got her likeness for the cover oh wow yeah that is a good point wonder yeah. who wonder who had to pay who for that her grandkids are making some money i guess <laughs> getting them betty davis dollars <laughs> yeah but i uh, can't say i'll pick any of these up although actually in a, in a kino sale i mean geez, these Kino sales, man, my God, like everything's like 10 bucks. Nobody has better sales in Kino. Nobody. It's it's insane. So in a, in a Kino sale, I would absolutely pick these up. OK, you heard it here, folks. I've never actually checked out their sales, but their catalog is staggering. They just oh, yeah. they have so many titles. It's like it's one of those things I probably should look into. But as Brad describes it, maybe that would be dangerous for my bank account. The one thing I will say that is annoying because they have a sale. It might have just ended today or tomorrow, um, but I bought. I did a small order in the sale, but I uh, went through on my phone one day at work, and I uh, kept adding to my cart. And I was like, okay, I'll just. I'm at work. I'm killing time. I'll put everything in my cart, and then when I go home, I can go on my laptop and look at my phone and just like you know re-add. And then I get home. Everything got deleted from my cart. So then I go on my computer, have to go through all 32 pages again because I don't remember what they were, re-add in my cart, and then I'm like, ah, I'll wait and buy it tomorrow. And then, of course, gets deleted from my cart again. Got to go through all 32 pages again. It was a pain. But finally, I uh, did place an order. Uh, makes me think of, I think it's a, uh, I think there's like a nuclear bomb dropped on Springfield in, uh, in The Simpsons. And there's that zoom in on comic book guy just saying to himself, Ooh, I've wasted my life. <laughs> Kaboom. It's about, right. about right. I mean, after you go through 32 pages and then you come back to find your card empty, it's like... <laughs> yeah, it's rough. It's rough. Yeah, it's rough. Uh, we have a uh, Ronin Flicks uh, release of I Spit on Your Grave. Not the first time it's coming out on Blu-ray. Um, beside that, though, we have a certified fresh uh, release, a Shutter original fried berry um from 2020 brad uh are you familiar with this one i have spent a lot of this month on shutter and i've gone through 
their list of films many times, and I honestly don't remember ever seeing this on there. All right. Well, let me read I'm the sure description. Sure it is, but I just I have no idea what this is. <laughs> uh, eye-catching cover, at the very least, plus, you know, that name. Although I think I have used that font for promo art for a Catching Up on Cinema before. That's a no-no, because that's a free font, Brad. <laughs> uh Let's read the uh, description here. So, Fried Barry. Uh, Barry is a drug-addled, abusive bastard who, after yet another bender, is abducted by aliens. Barry takes a back seat as an alien visitor assumes control of his body and takes it for a joy riot through Cape Town. So, it's a South African film. What follows is an onslaught of drugs, sex, and violence as our alien tourist enters the weird and wonderful world of humankind. Uh, and it looks like there's a lot of uh, critical quotes here on the cover. It is certified fresh. Uh, seems like it might be like a sleeper hit of sorts on the shutter service. So maybe if you're in the mood for something funky, check it out. Mm. Yeah, I'll add it to the list. Yeah, why not? Uh, and bopping on down, uh, we have uh, another collection of The Stand, which includes the, uh, the 90s uh, TV film. Uh, as well as the 2020 and 2021 versions. So if you want all the stand, like all like 20 hours of it or whatever, there you go, <laughs> across multiple decades. Um, and I think that's about all I got uh, for this week. Anything else, Brad, you want to point out? No, I think that's about everything for that week, yeah. Okay. That was a long week, fuck. Uh, a lot so, of stuff, man. A lot of <laughs> a lot of things to buy. You weren't kidding, man. Like I like I said, I didn't do my research ahead of time, so this is all a surprise for me. But yeah, you're absolutely right. This is a packed fucking month. So uh, October twelfth is our next uh, release date uh, for the month of October, and uh, right out the gate, we have a couple of four K releases. We have Inglorious Bastards uh, on four K from two thousand and nine, of course, directed by Quentin Tarantino, and uh, Misery on 4k from 1990 and this was directed by rob reiner of all people uh thoughts on these ones brad well let me tell you that there's a lot of uh controversy in the blu-ray.com forums for the inglorious bastards 4k you know got a decent picture quality score from blu-ray.com but some people in the forums are uh, posting some screen caps and let's just say that uh the blacks are looking slightly gray on this release. There is uh, some comparison shots that are striking. You might, like, let's just say, you might need a new pair of pants after you look at these uh, comparison shots. They're that scary. Um, but Misery, I haven't done a ton of research into Misery. The key, uh, This is through Kino, I believe. But uh, I've heard pretty good things, I think, about the transfer. Um, unfortunately, I already own this movie twice on Blu-ray. So probably won't be picking up the 4K, but uh, I do like the film. I don't love it, but I like it. Yeah, I think you and I had had talked about this a little bit on uh, the No Time to Die review on uh, Brad's uh, podcast, the Cinema Speak podcast. Um, I really, I adore Misery as a film. I I quite enjoy it. I don't adore Misery, uh, just the film uh, of the same name. (laughs) You're a masochist? I mean... Based on my viewing habits, you may think that, actually. That's true, that's true. <laughs> I do watch a lot of crap, um, willingly. Um, but no, I, I really enjoy this movie. Uh, unfortunately, the timing of this ris- this release is very poor. As uh, Unlike Brad, I, I don't actually own this movie. However, I have watched it very recently. 
Um, so I'm not particularly inclined at this moment to open my wallet uh, for the 4K of it. But down the road, it's kind of neat that it's out there because I'm going to get that itch again. I'm going to want to check it out. Uh, so that's, that's just neat that we have it. Um, and in regards to Inglorious Bastards, I don't know what it is about this movie, man. I, maybe I'm a bad person, but I just don't have that many memories of this one. Like, I, I, it just didn't hit me all that hard. Like, I generally like Tarantino as a director. Like, I generally like his style and his writing and whatnot. But just something about this particular movie, I just, I walked away from it and I just, in one ear, out the other. But the reason why I'm drawing so much attention to this is that I'm surrounded. I am utterly surrounded in my daily life by people who this is the movie to them. Like this is cinema. This is the re- this is the best movie that ever movied. And then there's me who's just like, it's all right. <laughs> so Brad, am I a bad person? You know, I I gotta say, I think you are. Um, Fuck. <laughs> I mean, I no, had a feeling, but damn it. <laughs> I mean, I, I I love Tarantino. I think I honestly th- I think this is his best movie. It, it's definitely as as of recently, it's been my favorite film of his. Uh, it did pass Pulp Fiction. Um, and, uh, I don't know, it's just endlessly watchable. I think it's in some ways, maybe once upon a time in Hollywood passed it. It, I think it's kind of like, in a way it's like his classiest film, but it's also still retains his style, which I think is interesting. Um, it, it feels a little more mature, um, but still a very much a Tarantino film. And there's something about it. Like I said, it's just so watchable. It's a two and a half hour movie and it's one movie where the the division of the chapters and is just like so perfect like cuz it's like before you know it you're already on chapter 5 and it feels like you just started i mean i love it and it's i love the ending uh it's it's awesome yeah so yeah i guess you are a bad person <laughs> well like i said i i had a feeling i mean my grandmother told me otherwise but you know like <laughs> your 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 word carries more weight obviously but, <laughs> but uh, what that tells me is I should probably rewatch this one um, because, like I said, I am completely surrounded by people who absolutely adore this movie, apparently Brad included. Uh, Kyle, I know for sure, really, really loves this movie. Uh, so, yeah, I guess that means I should probably give it another crack and see how I feel then. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of look forward to that. I, I am one of those people that actually enjoys reassessing things because I'm, I'm not married to my opinions. I actually... It's kind of fun for me, like taking another shot. Sometimes you walk away and you're like, well, that's two and a half hours. I can't get back. That was a total waste of fucking time. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, just uh, think of it as research for the show, you know? I mean, Brad, uh, I, this is spoiler for uh, for future episodes that haven't even be, been recorded. I almost said a Canadian bean. That's not cool, man. That's I, I am from Seattle, Washington. We don't say bean. We don't say Sunday. We don't say a boot. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Have not been recorded. Uh, I'm, I'm very likely going to be doing an episode on The Blob from 1988. And Ooh, okay. I told the person I'm going to be recording with, like, I hope you know what you were asking because this, this is the movie that gave young Trevor strings of nightmares to this very day trevor still has nightmares of this movie so i'm like maybe this will come across as a form of exposure therapy um but it's guaranteed to give trevor some nightmares for a few more weeks uh so 
that'll be a reassessment that I'm just going to be like, I'm having a good time. <laughs> Not. <laughs> wow. Well, I, I, I've never seen the blob, but I uh, do own the Blu-ray, so I might uh, might have to hop on it and uh, go, go with some uh, expo- exposure therapy uh, right along with you. I mean, that that's the thing. It's actually a fun movie. Like it, it really is fun and stupid. Like like it 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 is meant to be enjoyed. It's not a horrific film by any means. I just saw the worst fucking parts of it when I was a little too young, and forevermore it 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 to use the terminology of the kids, it triggers me <laughs> um to this very fucking day. <laughs> so um yeah, so that'll be a reassessment that has me a little bit stressed out, but if I'm doing if I'm doing reassessments, maybe I should just keep the train a rolling and dip into Inglorious Bastards while I'm at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but moving along, uh, we have a movie that I haven't seen. I do have some people in my orbit who have seen it, and they do think highly of it. Uh, Brad, have you seen uh, The Green Knight, which is coming out on 4K? I did see it, yep. Uh, I liked it. Didn't totally love it on a first viewing, but uh, definitely visually very beautiful to look at. I can imagine the 4K would look very nice. Um, but I don't know. I, I liked it, but I'm really not feeling much of a desire to revisit this one. Also, I don't know if I'm assuming it's just the slipcover is completely red and it would be a black 4K case underneath. It kind of looks what it looks like uh, up in the corner there, but not a fan of these, uh, um, what's the word, gimmicky colored cases. I think they're kind of gross. Got to be honest. I think Black Wid- Widow's 4K was red. Not a fan. I can't attest to the uh, the 4K, but the Blu-ray case is red for, for Black Widow. <clears throat> okay. Maybe but, maybe that's what I was... It could be both, but I definitely saw something red. But no, I, I am in favor of the idea of kind of standardizing the 4K look, for sure. I, I'm fine... W- well, yeah, definitely with 4K, keep it black. With Blu-ray, I'm fine with blue, of course, but I'm also fine with clear. At first, I was, I was hesitant for clear, but once I went clear... It's like the, the, they say in Scientology, going clear. I went clear, and I never looked back. I <laughs> I love going clear, um, but uh, you know I don't know if I'm quite there for 4Ks yet. But eventually, once once the collection gets big enough, you know those things don't stand out. Whereas a, a red 4K right now would stand out on my shelf. Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. I I don't have that many 4k movies i'm actually like very judicious about when i when i purchase a a 4k it's got it's got to be something special i don't just like absentmindedly buy one um so yeah if i just had a random colored one in there it would you know give me a little mini stroke get get me a blink out of sync a little bit kind of like that gut reaction to the animated night of the living dead um (laughs) but yeah i i don't know when i'll get around to checking out the green knight i do think it's funny that like i actually have read the arthurian tale that this this is apparently based off of i have to assume at least that's what the trailers looked like i was like yeah i I recognize some of these scenes from that book i had to read in fucking college um but most people i know didn't even know it was a fucking king arthur or like knights of the round table story um and yet i i had very little hype about it i was like that looks beautiful i don't think i need to see it (laughs) like that, that that was just my gut reaction to it but I'll probably get around to watching it at some point. It looked absolutely gorgeous um, in a way that very like makes it very distinct among the the movies that are currently out there. Um, and it is certified fresh, <laughs> which carries so much weight with me personally. Um, 
Beside that, we have the Columbia Classics Collection, 1959 to 2010. Um, I think, Brad, did you like go over some of the releases in this box uh, on the No Time to Die episode? I don't know if we actually talked about it, but I will say um, just, I mean, I don't know if you want to list all the movies in there, but I will say I'm not an accountant. I am not like a person who gives financial advice, (laughs) but based on how the Columbia Classics Collection Volume 1, how much that is going for on eBay and other resale sites, uh, this could be a good investment. Because that is going for a lot of money, Volume 1. And I don't know, Collection 2, maybe they were like, oh, we got to print way more. So this maybe would never go out of print. I don't know. But that one went out of print, and uh, it's, I mean, you could make a good profit. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to bother listing off all the movies in there, but that is certainly worth noting. Uh, the reseller market is not something that I, I pay all that mind, all, all that much mind to. But, you know, as the days tick by and, and, and as uh, the supply chain gets more and more fucked, uh, things like this start to take on more meaning where it's like, oh, wow, shit's hard to get nowadays. <laughs> yeah. Also, I will say I, I'm not I'm like 99 percent sure of this, that, you know, it's this big box, the Columbia Classics collection. But I do believe that the movies are in individual cases inside that box. So oh. you can take them out and put them on your shelf, I believe. Because otherwise, okay. it would be a big no-no for me. That thing is, ugh, yeah, it is. It, it is a little bit of a monstrosity. I mean, it's yeah. like, do I do I really care that much about Columbia Studios? Like, no. really, really? Does it need to occupy all of my shelf? <laughs> no, stri- stripes has to claim half of my shelf. <laughs> yeah, especially imagine having Volume One and Two. I mean, yeah, that's you got to be a big Columbia head if you're going to display those boxes. No, I mean, if you put that end to end, that that's the length of my shelf, basically. It's, <laughs> it's nothing but Columbia all day long. <laughs> yeah. Uh, beside that, we have an Arrow release of uh, Ridley Scott's Legend from 1985. This is a limited edition Blu-ray. Um, this is one that I'm I'm really hoping they do a double dip and give us a 4K because I've I've said it numerous times. I think on on the podcast, if not both of our podcasts, like this. This movie really doesn't have a whole lot going for it from a narrative standpoint, but from an audiovisual standpoint, wow! Uh, this this is this is a very impressive film. Uh, I did see it a long time ago. I have I haven't really thought about it that much since. But Tim Curry's awesome in it, um, and just the the cinematography and the production design, like the sets and the costuming and the lighting, are all just absolutely fantastic. Um, so it's the kind of thing that if I'm gonna buy a movie like this, that's largely devoid of like story and character it's like if it's purely for eye candy it would be nice to know that i'm buying it in the best visual fidelity available Uh, so this is a pass for me for the time being but if we do get a 4k of it i may actually open my wallet and just buy it just purely for the eye candy honestly yeah oh i would 100 percent pop on a 4k of this i will say this thing is already fallen in price this thing is a marketing disaster i'm trying to think of a compare what's like a, a toy that was a fail i don't even know i'm trying to think of a comparison but this thing already dropped down to 24.99 you can still get the limited edition clearly arrow people are holding out for the 4k because this thing they're they're throwing these things off the shelves now 
Damn, I, I wasn't aware of that. But yeah, Arrow generally charges a higher price tag for their product. So that $24 may sound like a lot, but by their standards, it's really not. Looks uh, actually, now, it looks like it's gone back up in price now, but for a while there, it was 20, $24.99. Well, point is, it's fluctuating, uh, and I would not be surprised if there are a lot of like-minded individuals out there. They're just like, I've seen what you guys done before, man. <laughs> like, I, I seen, I seen this, I've seen this before. They've like, done like, it too many times. They've, they've burned us too many times. I'm not doing it. Arrow makes good product, but yeah, they do like to double dip with their, their 4K releases. It's like a tick-tock fashion where it's like, we'll give you that little tick, and then the talk comes a few months down the road or something. Yeah. So we'll, I'll hold out hope, but until then, you're not getting my money. But um, bopping down to the next row, we have a uh, kind of a surprise hit. Uh, we have Free Guy from on 4K from 2021. Uh, this was a movie that I had little faith in uh, from the marketing, but all signs point to it being like one of the better movies, uh, one of the better like blockbuster movies of this year. Like I've I've heard very very good things about this, and in like and indeed like a lot of the the praise goes directly to Ryan Reynolds. Apparently, he gives an awesome performance in it. Um, I was shocked to hear that. I I expected nothing from this, but uh, reviews are stellar. Uh, have you seen this one, Brad? Yeah, uh, I saw it at the drive-in. It was a good drive-in movie. I had a fun time with it. Um, I'm, I'm not going to give Ryan Reynolds too much praise. I want, I'm not going to give him any direct praise, but it is a pretty fun film. It is pretty watchable and enjoyable. And, uh, you know, it's kind of one of those films that it really, it's hitting a lot of, uh, d- you know, trying to hit every demographic in a way. Like, it's something that really, it's enjoyable where, like, everybody could watch it i guess like it's a little edgy but not too edgy where you can't watch it with the kids the video game angle but it's not like so much of a video game deep dive thing where you can't watch it with you know your 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 mom or your grandma or anybody like that it it is uh kind of hitting all the bases but uh yeah it was it was fun i i had a good time with it i wouldn't pick it up but it was fun yeah, I'm not about to run out and grab it, but um, if it pops up on a streaming service that I have or something, yeah, I might devote uh, devote a, a chill evening to it or, or something, like get a pizza or something. <laughs> um, beside that, though, we have a, a Criterion release of High Sierra from 1941. Uh, this features Humphrey Bogart. Um, and beside that, we have a 4K release of uh, Carlito's Way uh, from Universal Studios. Um, this is, of course, uh, the Brian De Palma film that uh, is kind of oftentimes lumped in with Scarface as like like a spiritual follow up. Like they're they're not at all the same film, but they do have some similarities. The director, of course, being the same helps a little bit in the comparison. But um, have you seen this one, Brad? Uh, no, I haven't seen it. I did. I'm kicking myself because I bought it on Blu-ray. Um, I found the Blu-ray for cheap, and I bought it when I was doing a bit of a Brian De Palma binge. Um, but I got De palma out before I actually watched this one. I, I had too much De Palma in me. I had to uh, recuperate, and uh, I never watched this one, so now I'm kicking myself. But, uh, yeah, I, I like Brian De Palma a lot, so I'll get around to, to it eventually. Yeah, he's a fascinating guy. I know he's somewhat of a divisive figure. Um, in a lot of ways, he, he draws a lot of comparisons to Alfred Hitchcock. Like he has, he has a lot of stylistic tendencies and a lot of uh, techniques he employs in his editing that uh, draws some comparison to that. Um, he's he's the he's the tension man. Uh, he he loves just stretching out 
those tense beats in his stories and it's addictive like i actually really like brian de palma for the most part although if memory serves he fell off real fucking hard um studios do not like him and Mm -hmm. and continue to not like him um i i really enjoyed that documentary about him uh a few years ago i think it's just called de palma Uh, it was very illuminating uh he, he makes for a good interview and taking a tour through his filmography is really fascinating stuff um I don't think Carlito's Way is is a, a truly exceptional movie by most standards, but it gets the job done. Again, this seems to be a theme in this discussion today. Uh, 90s thrillers, man. Like, this 90s co- crime dramas and 90s thrillers, they, they just have a, a vibe to them that just works for me. And, and this, this is truly an example of that. I, I could f- see myself putting this movie on and just, like, being like, well not excited about but i guess i'm watching carlito's way <laughs> it's it's a it's a solid one though uh, i i could recommend it i i don't think it's gonna you know blow anyone's hair back but it, it's it's a fine fine movie um uh, not about to be buying the 4k but um uh we have uh, a shout factory release of a deadly friend from west craven and uh brad i had told you previously that i have not seen this film however i feel i don't have to because apparently the best sequence in the film is just something I've been aware of for most of my life. And is of course, that that lady from uh, Throw Mama from the Train and the Goonies uh, getting her head blowed up by a by a thrown like red like bouncy ball, basically, or like a basketball or something. And it's amazing. It's just like, yeah, I've always wanted to see that lady's head explode. <laughs> I mean, it sounds amazing just based on that. Like, I, I'm in. I'm, I'm in for a feature length. uh film as long as i've got that as a payoff well it helps too that's a wes craven movie and uh speaking of good interviews uh wes craven has to be he has to be among those um that is a fascinating individual like unfortunately he passed away pretty recently which which sucks but um if you think about the kinds of movies he made and then you and then you take that knowledge in going into an interview not knowing what the man looked like or how he actually is like what his nature is just like how did you make these movies mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. he, he's like literally i think he literally was a professor and he comes across as a professor and and he just has such a warm air about him that it's like how the fuck did you make these trash ass movies <laughs> yeah it's weird he's somebody like i can't say i'm like a west craven aficionado but he's somebody that passed away as a director that i i do miss quite a bit like I'm trying to think of any other recent like there's got to be somebody more who I'm like man I really miss him but like I remember when Wes Craven passed away like I really not like it's not like I was bawling my eyes out but I was like oh that really sucks and every now and then I think like man that really sucks that he's gone and uh yeah it's kind of it's not surprising but it is surprising in a way that his passing has you know left that big of a hole inside me <laughs> no, I I think a lot of people had a similar reaction. I think a lot of that just comes from him being such a warm character. Like, yeah. Like like he's you know he he inserted himself into a lot of his films. Like if you've seen New Nightmare, he's he acts in that movie, and he he's not he's not the sort that would toot his own horn about his acting performance. He just comes across as himself in it, and just from those few minutes of screen time, you kind of get this vibe. That's like he seems like a nice guy. And every interview I've seen of him, every word I've heard spoken about him suggests that that was true. And yeah, I, I do remember when he when he passed away. It was just like, oh man, that sucks. 
Like that that actually bums me out a bit. But uh, Scream Five, baby. We <laughs> like without Wes Craven involved. It's uh, coming yeah, that's out. That's gonna when? be that's gonna be interesting. Yeah, when's that coming out? By the way, I think it's January. Yeah, I saw the, I saw the initial trailer for it, and I was like, I don't know what it is. Like, if I'm getting old or something, but something about this doesn't look right. Like, like it's it's like you know, horror movies all like slasher movies in particular are always populate are always populated by young hot people, and and this film is no exception. They're just like too young and and too hot. It just makes me feel old. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I mean, it, it, it's interesting that uh, it seemed like the trailer had less of a comedic tone than the previous ones, which, I mean, I'm not necessarily against. Like, that could be... how. Like, at a certain point, like, okay, Scream, you know, it was all about horror films. Scream 2, it did the sequel thing. Scream 3, they tried to do a trilogy thing, which was kind of lame. Scream 4 did reboots, which I think worked really well. And it's like, well, what do you do for number five? And just play it straight, basically, I think is not a bad idea. Um, I don't know. We'll see if the actual movie's like that. but Yeah, I, I don't know what they're going to do. Because you're absolutely right. Um, not you mentioned it. It did seem more serious uh, than the other ones. It, it, I did catch something that, that I could be wrong. It could just be me looking too far into things. But um, David Arquette. Uh, recently had a documentary come out about him called you i think it's you can't kill or you cannot kill david arquette um because uh infamously in i think it was 1999 or the year 2000 on the nose uh, he was he became the wcw wrestling champion um to promote the uh the film he was making at the time rate of rumble um, and to this day, that, that's looked upon as like one of the ugliest moments in wrestling history. It's like you made David Arquette your champion for marketing purpose for for cross promotional purposes. Fuck yeah. you. Um, so apparently, people like contemporary people were, are still shitting on the guy for that. Um, and obviously, he hasn't been doing a whole lot of acting recently. But uh, the documentary was about him actually going back into pro wrestling on the indie scene uh, to like earn his stripes for real as a wrestler uh, to kind of negate that bad reputation he had. And I haven't seen the documentary. I think my brother has, and he spoke highly of it. Um, But the point is the guy has been living on the road for the past several years as a pro wrestler, like a legit pro wrestler. And I noticed in that trailer, he he throws some hands. <laughs> and I yeah. was like, "Oh, they're gonna have David Arquette do some bumps." I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> like get a chair shot in there." <laughs> like I can get down I, with that. I would love to see that. I'd love to see the ghost face just like grapple with him, and all of a sudden they're just like rolling around on the floor. It's like fucking die, <laughs> Sheriff Dewey. It's like nope, not not today, bitch. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. Sheriff Sheriff Dewey went to Brazilian Jiu Jitsu school. He's got some moves now. <laughs> It, it could, yeah, that would I could I could be down for that. I mean, I mean, if he's got the skill set and you're behind the camera, it's kind of like uh, the filming of They Live. It's like you have Rowdy Roddy Piper, mm-hmm. Keith David's a big guy; he can keep up. Just, just, just go do stuff in the alley. <laughs> just make it up. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm worried. Not worried, but you know, with Scream, uh, maybe you can challenge this. But in terms of horror franchises, I think. Not necessarily saying it's the best franchise or it reached the highest highs, but in terms of consistency, I think right now Scream might be the best, most consistent horror franchise out there. 
because I really think they only have one dud, and even that dud is not like as much of a dud as most horror franchises get. Like I'd say Scream One, Two, and Four. I really enjoy all four of those, or all three of those. Yeah, uh, I I think that's a fair assessment. Uh, I don't know if I'd agree that it's the best um, because because their style is so withdrawn. Like they're they're mostly very grounded like slasher movies Mm -hmm. and and when you put that up against like say a friday the 13th where they have all the most talented gore effects technicians on like on the payroll it's kind of hard to measure up to the spectacle of that and also some of the like the lighting in the scream movies like kyle and i both grimace at at just looking at the at the scream movies they're kind of hideous to look at to be (laughs) honest but the 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 key word that you pointed out was consistent they are remarkably consistent in mm-hmm. tone and, and feel and quality. Um, and that's impressive. That's hard to maintain, especially over the long period of time in which those films were produced. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that, actually. that That's not easy to do. Like, you would think it's easy. It's really not. <laughs> and, and being able to have their three main characters back for every single entry, that's, that's pretty impressive, too. Not that they're like, you know, not that they're all that busy nowadays but you know it's still pretty impressive and i I can't think of another horror film that has that i mean anytime one of your components uh is like has friends money like you really you really have to give them reasons to come back and they have to be good reasons and somehow they pulled it off i mean it helps that like they were married or whatever pretty much on the set so maybe they just want an excuse to hang out so it's even harder to get like and now you got (laughs) like that's an even another obstacle well, maybe we can look forward to that. Maybe like there's a clause in the contract where David Arquette's like, "Can I like hit her with a cookie sheet or something?" <laughs> like, like while the cameras are rolling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But last note on Scream Five: How do you feel about being called Scream? Uh, I don't like it. That that's one thing I don't like. Brad, I think I found a new uh, audio clip you can add to your board. Uh, Tombstone. Kurt Russell in the river. No. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, I don't have a no on the board. So that's just that, no. Yeah. <laughs> that would be good. Yeah, that is my reaction to it being called Scream. Yeah, we got two of those today. We got Night of the Living Dead in animated form, and Scream should not be Scream 5. Unless there's uh, some or, or reference to that. 5. Unless there's some reference to that in the movie. Well, actually, I saw some complaints on Twitter where it's like, dude, why couldn't you do the Fast and Furious thing where the S in Scream is a 5? <laughs> yeah, I mean, did it with Scream 4. It was The A was a 4. Yeah, it's like, you know, there is precedent for it. Just fucking do it. Like, th- this is why I say movie production studios are allergic to numbers now. Like, they just they just don't like to. If they can avoid it, they won't do it. It's mm-hmm. like, just fucking do it. Just own it. We're going to get a Fast and Furious 10, for fuck's sake. Yeah. It yeah. better have that 10 in there. I'm going to be so pissed if they don't put a 10 on that poster. <laughs> Own it. Uh, moving on, though. Uh, we have uh, Kolchak the Night Stalker, 1974 and 1975. The Ghost Ship slash Bedlam, 1943-1946. Those are our Warner Archive Collection films. Uh, we have The Haunting of Bly Manor from 2020. That's a collection of the entire series. Uh, that has a... Uh, Mike Flanagan, is it? He has a new show out right now. Yeah, yeah. This guy's pumping them out. My, my God. Jeez. Yeah, uh, we talked about him and uh, Dr. Sleep uh, on the most recent Tales from the Shelf. Uh, Brad owns the uh, director's cut of that one, and uh, he spoke highly enough of it to the point that I, uh, if I see it out in the wild, I think I'm going to grab that one, Brad. 
Uh, we got a Vera Cruz from 1954 starring Gary Cooper. That was Gary Cooper, asshole, uh, if you've seen Die Hard. And uh, Burt Lancaster. Uh, we got The Last Sunset from 1961 with Rock Hudson and my boy, Kirk Douglas. Uh, we have the Friday the 13th 8 movie collection, 1980 to 1989. That is, again, a little bit of an awkward box set where it's like, uh, I don't think you got them all. <laughs> yeah, that's basically, that's a, basically the one I have. This is just like a steelbook version of it. Um, I hope yours looks better than that. Uh, it, I guess a little, yeah, it's slightly better not not tremendously better but i mean for fuck's sake that font like like it, in terms of font it's like you, you you need to go back to the drawing board when your eight looks like that mm-hmm. like if you're gonna have an eight on the cover like at least make it a sexy eight that's just a really <laughs> sad eight yeah i mean at this point though if you don't already own any of the films i don't know why would you wouldn't just spend the extra money to get the scream factory set that has all of them Seems kind of like a no-brainer. Like when yeah, I bought uh, that, when I bought the set I have, that Scream Factory set was not out. So, I will say, man, like I, I'm not about to buy it um, because I've seen them all and they they all live rent-free in my head. But uh, that uh, that Scream Factory box set is a handsome package. Like I I, lo- yeah. I love the art on that thing. I get more and more tempted every day. It, it's they picked put it this way they picked the right Jason. Uh, to to display loud and proud uh, unmasked on the box. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was the one from uh, I think it was, it was the one with the psychic girl. Uh, I think that was seven or eight. I think it was seven. Yeah, um, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, it, it's the one where there's a. It's basically Carrie versus Jason, and uh, he gets his mask like squeezed off by her with her telekinetic powers. That and, sounds uh, about right. It was. I think it was directed by John Carl Beekler or Buechler. Uh, he's like a makeup effects technician he's like one of the best in his field of that era uh also re- passed away not too long ago as far as i recall um we got uh some shit uh we have a film from 1915 uh philibus uh the mysterious air pirate uh this is put out by milestone um do i know them let's take a look at their catalog um wow uh, it seems like they specialize in antiquated and art house films. Um, I'm not familiar with them as a label, but anytime I see a release date like 1915, that does pique my interest a little bit just because you don't see that all the time. And the the cover art for this is quite handsome. Mm-hmm. At that point, it's more like of preserving films over like putting this out to make a profit, I feel like, you know. Like it's it's more of an artful, uh, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, no, I mean there is such a thing as just pure film preservation, and that is very important uh, because these things don't always find a home on any format. So it's like if you know, even if nobody fucking buys it, it's just kind of nice that it exists in some format. But uh, we have a contemporary release of a uh, the Colony from Lionsgate. Uh, no guns on the cover, from what I can tell, although does look like there's something on that person's back that may actually be a holstered weapon kind of like looks it, like a gun i i think you're right brad i yeah, think, it's a I think it's they slipped they slipped a gun in there it's, it's an Lionsgate film it's like it's like their marketing template it's like there is there a gun on the cover it's like well then why are we selling it <laughs> um i don't know what this is but it's from 2021 and it's a Lionsgate. uh sometimes they put out good stuff mostly not um 
we have our uh, <laughs> our routine Bruce Willis release, our routine uh, direct-to-video Bruce Willis release for the month. Uh, that would be Survive the Game uh, from 2021. And this is, you better fucking believe it's a Lionsgate. Uh, are there guns on the cover, though? I there don't. is one in uh, Chad Michael Murray's hand in the bottom yep. uh, corner there. Yep. yep, it's in the bottom corner. It, it still counts. It's it's not entirely visible, but it it's there. I'm telling you, man. If there ain't a gun on the cover, it ain't a lion's game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have uh, a couple of or a, a, a few oddball uh, Disney releases here. Uh, we have Brother Bear two movie collection, The Hunchback of Notre Dame two movie collection, and Atlantis two movie collection. So this includes. Uh, a, the- a theatrical film and its direct-to-video follow-up. Um, each of these, each of these cases does. Um, odd releases does not appear to be part of the Disney Movie Collection or Movie Club. Or oh, I'm whatever. seeing different. I see, I see that it is uh, Disney Movie Club. Oh, they did they change their branding? Yeah, think, they did. Yeah, they did. Yeah, because uh, I'm used to those having that that like yellow banner across the top. Uh, these ones have a silver diamond in the corner that says Disney Movie Club uh, Anniversary Edition for movies that, uh, unfortunately, I haven't actually seen, although I have I have heard mostly good things about Atlantis. Um, Brother Bear, not so much, and Hunchback of Notre Dame has some highlights that I've heard of. Uh, in particular, the, the Hellfire sequence gets a lot of praise, uh, pretty universally. Um, but, but it's a very bipolar film. It's like for every good thing it does, it does some stupid shit. Um, the, these movies all came out in that era where I was largely divorced from Disney films. Like I, I was, you know, a dumb snot-nosed teenager. I was like, you were too cool. Yeah, I was way too cool. Like, dream on. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said uh, when those came out, and I was asked to go see them. Um, beyond that, I. Th- think that's all i got for the week uh you got anything else you want to highlight brad no i think that's about it okay uh we also have an arrow box of he came from the swamp just wanted to say that out loud just because it sounds fun uh so let's bop on down to uh october 19th and uh right out the gate uh we have a 4k disc that i know you ran out and picked up uh, to add to your collection, Brad, you want to let the folks at home know what that might be? Yeah, it's the Silence of the Lambs on 4K, one of my favorite movies. Uh, you know, I was getting my windshield replaced. There was Best Buy nearby. He said, let's go pick it up. Let's go pick it up and uh, spend uh, two hours in the store because you got nothing better to do and you don't want to go sit in that waiting room. Um, so, yeah, I did pick this up. Uh, I thought it looks great. Now, I will say I don't own the uh, Criterion Blu-ray. I only had the MGM Blu-ray. But uh, from what I've heard, it might be not. It's basically the same because um, the cr- Criterion had a 4K remaster on the. It was just on the Blu-ray disc, so I think it is the same transfer. This one is just on a 4K disc, so it's a not a huge upgrade. It's not going to be a game changer if you already have the Criterion Blue, but uh, compared to the MGM Blu-ray I had, this was a big upgrade and it looks great. Um, so yeah, it was a great rewatch. Yeah, I, I'm very excited to give this one a rewatch because it is one of my favorite films as well. Uh, this this film is so incredible to come back to. It's like it's like seeing it for the first time almost every time you put it on. Like it's mm-hmm. it's entrancing. You just yeah. you just sit down. And you're just like, well, I'm not going anywhere. Like I guess we're watching Silence tonight. Yeah. Um, 
You can but, clearly see the uh, cold sore on Jodie Foster's mouth that they tried to cover up in the uh, classic first Hannibal Lecter uh, sequence. Uh, it's clear as day now on the 4K. Clear as day. <laughs> That's so funny because I remember when uh, when like uh, cable stations were first switching over to to HD broadcasts, and like all the late night hosts were like worried about like, oh, our makeup's gonna look like total shit now. <laughs> it's like, yeah, 4K will do that for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I it's funny because uh, I think you or Kyle, I think it was Kyle, tipped me off to the Criterion sale that went on. Like they had a flash sale pretty recently, and it just so happened that. Um, the release of this 4K like coincided with that sale, and I was like, "Oh no, should I go with the 4K or the Criterion? I don't know." And as it as it so happens, I went with neither. Um, so time will tell whenever I get around to buying this. But lose, the debate lose rages situation. on. I know. I, I was too busy watching Ultraman. <laughs> I mean, I will say this. I I mean, I think this was great. First day of release is when I picked this up, and it was 19.99 at Best Buy. So it was literally the same price as the Criterion Blu-ray would have been during that sale. So I think that was a steal. At that point, it was a no-brainer for me. I mean, yeah, just just go with it. It's a 4K disc for for 19.99. That's not something you find on release day very often, and you're very happy with what you got. So you, know, you definitely made a good choice. In fact, I'm kicking myself. Like I probably should have grabbed at least one of them. Uh, instead, I got neither. But you know, it's still out there. I'll still get it someday. Uh, just not today. But um, beside that, we have a Criterion release. Uh, speaking of Criterion, of The Incredible Shrinking Man from 1957. Uh, we had a uh, like a, a sci-fi book in my uh, grade school library that I used to thumb through when I was bored. And uh, it was like, it was about sci-fi films, but it was very old. So it only got up to like 1970 something. Like, I think it, I think the book was published before the movie Alien came out. Definitely before Star Wars, so it probably came out in like 1974 or something. But mm-hmm. um, so a lot of the stuff they had in there was like from the the 50s, a lot Atomic Age stuff. And I remember zeroing in on the Incredible Shrinking Man pages because they had stills from the movie of this man fighting what appeared to be like an actual spider corpse that they like mangled and and like freeze dried and made into a puppet or something. And like just from the still photos, I was like, that just looks like a crime against humanity or something. <laughs> because it's like, I don't think that's a puppet. I think they just freeze dried a spider and made a marionette out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've always wanted to check this movie out. Uh, it looked really interesting. And I unfortunately, that book spoiled the ending for me. So um, I know it has a has kind of a chilling ending to it that should be a lot of fun to get at. But um, I'm not about to buy the criterion of it. But it's always been like a curiosity for me that's hanging out there. But, yeah, uh, I love that cover art too. Yeah, it's awesome. It's like right on the nose, but it, like not in a silly way. It, it just it just works. And also, I like the the monochromatic presentation. Like it, it it's it's very well thought out. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, beside that, speaking of fucking Scream, we're not going to get back into it, yeah. but I just want to point out that uh, Scream is coming out on 4K on October 19th, uh, in Steelbook as well. Uh, do you know if uh, the this uh, Actually, did you did you buy this, Brad? I did not pick it up. I've actually heard uh, people having issues finding it. Um, and when I went to that Best Buy that day, it was the same day, obviously, uh, I was kind of like debating which one I would get. I was leaning towards Silence of the Lambs anyway, but I was like, maybe I'll get both. And uh, they did not have it out, um, surprisingly. So 
Um, yeah, people have been struggling to find it, but I've heard that it looks good, and the Blu-ray definitely was in need of an upgrade. So um, I I did just watch the Scream films last year, so I'm not in a rush, but uh, eventually I will get it. It's fine. I've watched the first Scream like far more than I have the sequels. I, I know it fairly intimately. Uh, after all the fun I had watching Speed on 4K... Like, this came out only a couple years after Speed, and I know this movie about as well as I do Speed. Like, the same part of my brain is kind of, like, tickling me and being like, Trevor, you should probably pick it up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And force your girlfriend to watch it. (laughs) But, yeah, I might actually grab this, but uh, I I haven't even bothered to look for it just yet. So I just thought it was interesting that, hey, all that talk of Scream, there it is. Um, Beside that, uh, we have a couple of... uh, it small quotations classic uh italian horror films uh, in the form of demons one and two uh and these are on 4k in a special limited edition box from synapse films uh these look like a lot of fun i've listened to the soundtrack to these movies uh, i haven't actually seen them uh, but they do look like a lot of fun they're very goopy uh, there's a lot of goopy effects work in there uh they're very kind of like Almost like Return of the Living Dead style, like a little bit of punk rock uh, horror to them. Like it, it's meant to be scary but fun at the same time, and it has a little bit of like an anarchic streak to it that just seems like a lot of fun. I, I think I would enjoy these quite a bit, but um, not anything I, I'm compelled to own. Yeah, um, I, I've never uh, never seen these actually, um, but I've been meaning to. Uh, I do like Synapse, but it, uh, it's a little pricey for just two movies. 60 bucks. Yeah, um, that, sure that's, they look that's amazing, a lot. But... Um, but bopping on down, uh, we have one that I, I'm curious if you pick this one up. This is like your week, Brad, man. They got it's you It's a picked. big week. It's a big uh, week. <laughs> so, so we had Silence of the Lambs, which Brad said is one of his favorite films. We had Scream, which is one of his favorite slasher franchises. And then we have Ya Boy. Uh, <laughs> we have old on 4k from 2021 from universal studios from m night Shyamalan, uh who brad is quite the big fan of and you did see this one and you did a full review of this for your podcast is that right yeah we uh this was one you know a lot of times we review movies and we're kind of on the same page we were definitely uh had some difference of opinions on this one uh i had quite a good time with old i thought it was quite a bit of fun uh, even if it did, you know, it's it's M Night Shyamalan. It's still it's got his uh, kind of you know wooden dialogue and you know some of the perform. But I guess I've just kind of come to expect that. Uh, I don't know. I do want to revisit it to see if I was just off my rocker because I I just had a good time with it. I don't know, but I could be wrong. Um, but I will probably pick this up on 4K at some point. Um, but yeah, and uh, it's M Night Shyamalan, so of course. It's going to be one I revisit and dissect all the time, so i got to pick it up. Yeah, I'm not going to be picking it up, but um, whenever it becomes available to watch, uh, I think this. I think I'd have a lot of fun watching this with the girlfriend because she gets, like, if there's any sort of, like, mystery component to something, like, she gets engaged. Mm-hmm. Like, she, she's, like, she gots to know. <laughs> and then you have, like, the, the thriller aspect of it as well and just the subject matter, like, I'd probably just throw her in totally blind. I'd be like, this movie's called Old. It's about old people. <laughs> She'd be like, what? This isn't what you told me? <laughs> I that think would it, be a good... I That would be a fun way to experience this movie. 
I, think, I mean, yeah, yeah th- I think that's how I'm going to go about it because she, she <laughs> she'd be utterly confused and probably upset with me. But in most cases, it's she's the kind of person that's sometimes more fun to watch her reactions than it is to watch the movie. So, yeah, um, I think this would be a fun date night for me um, whenever it becomes available. But uh, beside that, we have a uh, Arrow box set of a yokai monsters collection uh from 1968 to 2005 and if memory serves uh these films are from uh dai a studios uh they were kind of like a well they are kind of like a, a parallel to like toho studios but slightly smaller but uh <clears throat> i haven't seen any of these i know one of them was directed by takashi miike i think he actually made a new one very recently um but the ones from the 60s are they look like a lot of fun there's a, there's a lot of kooky monsters in there a lot of yokai like japanese uh, folklore folkloric creatures uh stuff that i you know occasionally was told about when i was a kid um neat stuff i uh, i bet these are a lot of fun i i would like to check these out at some point but i'm not about to pay arrow prices for them <laughs> um but moving along we have another Lionsgate release and is there a gun I don't think there's a gun, Brad. I'm I'm getting upset. I know there are guns in the film. In fact, the the text at the top of the the poster says from the studio that brought you John Wick, a film that features many guns, mm. and the director of Casino Royale, a film that features some guns, uh, with Michael Keaton, Maggie Q, and Samuel L. Jackson, the protege uh, from Lionsgate. Quite obviously, I've seen a lot of advertisements for this. I think that tells you about more about my google algorithm than anything else that this would be the movie that gets relentlessly advertised directly to me um i know nothing about it but it exists and it has maggie q whose career just i I don't know what happened like she had a moment there where everybody thought she was going to be the shit and then she kind of went away she did like television and now she's doing lionsgate so (laughs) it's like still working i mean this one did it was theatrical i mean it was you know so it's got a little bit of a pedigree behind it. And I keep forgetting that it was directed by, what's his name, Martin Campbell? Is that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's got me a little more interested than any old jobber. Yeah. No, he he is capable of great things. Um, not every time, but when, when it's good, it's real good. Listen, we all know that he's going to be coming back for the next Bond because he lit off each of the last two. So get ready, because this could be his audition tape right here. Um, I mean, I have confidence. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> he's going to say, listen, Miss uh, Broccoli, I've still got it. Check out the protege. So. <laughs> it's, she's just going to look at the cover art and be like, Martin, there's no gun on the cover. <laughs> like, oh, oh, no. <laughs> like, marketing, how dare you? Yeah, yeah. It's like, you ruined my meeting with the Broccoli family. <laughs> that was my one ticket. <laughs> um, but beside that, we have a movie that I, from the marketing, I couldn't tell if it was like a sleeper hit or if it was total dog shit. But Rebecca Hall is a selling point. Like, I, I cannot emphasize that enough. She, She's... She's very good. Um, we have The Night House from 2020. And Brad, what have you heard of this? If I've heard pretty good things. Uh, I did not see it myself, but I'm definitely intrigued. Um, and I agree. I, I love some Becky Hall. I love some Becky Ferguson. They need to do a movie together. Let's be honest. Like that. I'm I'm day one. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> 
Could call it Becky's portal. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, I do yeah. want to check this out. Yeah, no, it's it sounds like something that might be up your alley in particular. It normally wouldn't be on my radar, but Rebecca fucking Hall, sure. <laughs> Horrible <laughs> cover art. Horrible. It it really is, and it's not helped by that uh that Blu-ray banner at the top of the at the of the cover art. It just like it cheapens it quite a bit. The the actual house, the way it's positioned, like below her, looks like hospital name tag to me. Oh shit! Yeah, you're right. It it looks like she she's like a hospital worker, an ambulance driver, or something. Yeah, this is bad. Ugh. Yeah, and and I mean, they don't even make her look good because she's bathed in that hideous red light. And it's that's like, hard to do. That's hey, real you, hard to do. That takes effort, man. That's like on the same level as picking a font with a shitty eight, man. You gotta <laughs> you gotta try to find that. Yeah. Um, we have a Criterion release of Ratcatcher, uh, from nineteen ninety nine. This is directed by Lynn Ramsey. And uh, I'll just read the description here. Set during Scotland's national garbage strike of the mid-1970s, a poor adolescent boy struggles to reconcile his dreams and his guilt with the abjection that surrounds him. Yeah, I don't know what to make of that, but as we say, uh, if it's in the Criterion Collection, it's probably worth your time. I I do like Lynn Ramsey. She did uh, uh, You Were Never Really Here with Joaquin Phoenix, and we need to talk about Kevin. Okay. So I think this is her debut, so I'm intrigued. I'm inter- I don't know if I'd pick it up actually, but I would like to watch it. I I know both of those films by reputation. Uh, Kyle uh, can vouch for uh, you were never really here. Uh, he he's been urging me to check that out actually. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe I should check this one out as well. Um, but bumping on down, time for something uh, completely different. Uh, we have Injustice on 4K and Blu-ray. Uh, this is a another uh warner brothers animated film uh this time a dc comics one although this one uh has dual lineage as both a comic book and a video game series which uh the timeline seems right for a third game uh coming out soon um nether realm studios uh, makes the games the same people that make the mortal Kombat games um and the the mechanics of of the fighting game are are very very close but um, yeah, Injustice began life as a fighting uh, fighting game based in the DC universe, and the, the concept is basically, if memory serves, uh, some bad shit happens, I think Lois Lane gets offed, Superman throws a hissy fit as he is wont to do, and uh, becomes a totalitarian dictator, so all the other DC heroes have to come beat some ass. Uh, so it's just, basically it's just an excuse for all the DC people to beat some ass. Um, <laughs> across many, many, many comic books and I have to assume three video games because that second one came out a while ago. Mortal Kombat 11 came out a while ago. We're about due for an Injustice 3. So if, if we're tinfoil hat, hatting this, uh, my assumption is that this is a uh, like a, a marketing wake-up call that, hey, Injustice 3 is probably just around the corner. Uh, so expect an announcement trailer very soon. Uh, I have no idea if this is worthwhile. doesn't matter. Uh, end spiel. Um <laughs> We have Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins from 2021, uh, a movie that Brad and I uh, reviewed on the Cinema Speak podcast. You can check out that episode and listen to listen to me be deeply upset at a ninja movie <laughs> about a about a toy franchise from the 80s. Yeah, I can't say I'm going to be picking this one up. Uh, yeah, I, I hope not many people do. This, this was supposed to be 
Henry Golding's like, this was supposed to be what got him his Bond gig, Brad. And it, it fucking failed. <laughs> yeah. I was kind of like, yeah, I could see him as Bond. And after this, I'd say, no, get him far away from that franchise. Yeah, I, I won't say a whole lot about this. But, uh, folks, this movie bites. It, it's really lousy. Um, there's not a whole lot good to it, if anything. Um but the one reason I had any sort of enthusiasm heading into this one was the the choreographer of it is uh, Kenji Tanigaki, uh, who is a Japanese choreographer who has worked in the Hong Kong film industry. Uh, he is like co-choreographed a lot of Donnie Yen movies over the years. He's incredibly talented. Uh, he's worked on all the Rudoni Kenshin movies over the past like decade or so, wherein he he puts out some fantastic work, and because. This movie's about ninjas and features a lot of sword fighting in the trailers. The hope was that, you know, this god-tier martial arts choreographer working on the production would give us some neat stuff to look at. And unfortunately, it, it just didn't happen. So I knew why I was showing up to the theater, and, and it just didn't coalesce. Uh, so, yeah, it, it sucks. <laughs> uh Beside that, though, we have Renegades from 1989. This is one of those VHS boxes. Uh, not a big fan of this look. Um, I don't own any, any of these yet, although I suspect eventually, if Mill Creek keeps pumping these out, eventually I'll, I'll, there'll be like a movie that comes out that's just like, oh, I, I gotta get that, even if it comes in a stupid fucking case. Um, but this this cover is very much 1989 it's Kiefer sutherland and lou diamond phillips and i does he have fringe on his jacket no fringe but they both got leather jackets and Kiefer sutherland has a Ch- chuck norris mustache which doesn't look all that great on him but it's, it it it's it's a cover and it's a font it, it looks like a tombstone pizza font <laughs> everything about this cover makes me sick i have to say <laughs> I get like Walker Texas Ranger vibes, and yeah, it's hideous. It it, it is very much the year nineteen eighty nine. Big hair, <laughs> leather jackets. Uh, two actors who don't exactly pack them in at the theater, but you at least recognize them. <laughs> and I, there is a gun on the cover, though. I'll say and this the the sticker like the like you're getting it from the VHS store. Like it's too desperate. It's so desperate. Like I I just don't like that. I don't know. Well, Brad, think of, think of. Put yourself in the shoes of the marketing execs at Mill Creek Entertainment, the the great folks at Mill Creek Entertainment. It's like, okay, so we just obtained the right, the distribution rights to Renegades. It's like, what's Renegades? <laughs> it's like it's a little scene, Kiefer Sutherland and Lou Diamond Phillips cop drama. What do you want me to do with that? It's like, I want you to sell it. It's like, well, I don't know what else to do, so let's put it in a shitty VHS case and hope that somebody. Uh, is wearing their nostalgia goggles when they pass by it at the Best Buy. If that- it was a regular, like, if the case, the front was normal, but it had, like, one of those, not like a slipcover that goes over, but, like, one where you pull the case out, and that came out as a VHS tape, that I could maybe get behind. But having just, like, a fifth of your slipcover, like a VHS coming out, that is disgusting to me. I, I am inclined to agree. Um, as you said, if they had done it the other way, that would actually be novel. But as it stands, it's just weird looking. It's just a, it's just strange concept, and it doesn't sit well with me, which is part of why I don't own any of these. Um, 
while we're on the subject, we also have Splitting Errors from 1993, which I think that's Rick Moranis on the cover. That that makes me unhappy because I like Rick Moranis. I like him a lot. Uh, we also this have this one that I would actually be like. You got like John Cleese is in there, Eric Idle. Like I don't know anything about this movie, but I mean, like, there's got to be a way, better way to sell me on this than this garbage. Whoa, 1993, Catherine Zeta-Jones. Oh boy. Wow. Uh, sold. Um, yeah, Mask of Zorro, folks. Uh, if you were the right age when that movie came out, it, it changed things. You've changed things. <laughs> that an Entrapment, which everybody knows why they saw Entrapment. Because they were 12, and that marketing, goddammit. <laughs> and we also have Kevin Sorbo in Cole the Conqueror from 1997. Um we have an MVD release of Dirty Laundry from 1987. Uh, we have uh, Joe Bell in 2021. Uh, did this come out in theaters, Brad? I believe it did. I don't know how big the release was, but this looked like some pretty uh, sentimentally garbage. I mean, I'm sure the true story is great, very inspiring, but this looked uh, pretty, I don't even know if I'd say Oscar Beatty. It just... Felt way too uh, precious, I guess. It gave me some like "This Is Us" vibes or something. Yeah, like, like yeah. not not quite like misery porn, but just like you know, like like a, a feels movie that that you know who you are if you go to the theater to check out Joe Bell. Um, mm-hmm. I saw a trailer for this uh, ahead of uh, it must have been Snake Eyes or something because uh, I haven't been to the theater very much uh, through COVID, but um, I did see a trailer for this and and. I didn't hear a whisper about it after that. So uh, that's why I asked, did it even make theaters? <laughs> Cause it looked like it was intended to, but uh, I, I think somebody hit the panic button or something. Yeah. Yeah. Very um, strange. And uh, speaking of, did it make theaters? We also have no man of God uh, from RLJ entertainment. This came out in 2021 and features Elijah Wood. Um, I don't know if that got a theatrical release, but it's from 2021. So it's worth pointing out. Yeah, this is uh, the the Ted Bundy movie where uh, the director uh, Amber Seeley uh, she called out um, I can't think of his name the guy who did the Zac Efron Ted Bundy movie um, he's like a well known uh, documentary filmmaker and I'm blanking on his name but anyway she called out him and something with the Zac Efron movie and I don't I can't remember if she said it glorified Ted Bundy or something but there was there was some controversy with uh this film when she was kind of like you know strutting her stuff and saying talking down on another similar film um but uh, i did not hear much about when this one came out so i don't know if she has too much room to talk not that i liked the zach efron one either but yeah i was about to say i didn't hear anything good about that either (laughs) man ted bundy people like people like talking about ted bundy it's like yeah i think i got my fill like two decades ago (laughs) joe berlinger is his name okay glad you looked that up so you could get that out of your head um and uh i think that's about it for the week uh we do have a uh ipman four movie collection i'll just point that out because i'm a big fan and i also mentioned donnie yen earlier um last man down has been uh, it made like a not a wave, but just like a blip on some of the like the the martial arts uh, news websites I go to. 
it was it was sounded like a, a six out of ten kind of movie. So not anything I'm going to be rushing out to check out. But by golly, that man is juiced on that cover. Um, so let's pop on down to the next week here, uh, October twenty sixth. Uh, our first release is a 4K of The Suicide Squad, James Gunn's The Suicide Squad from 2021, which, of course, debuted both in theaters and on the HBO Max service. Um, Brad, you did a full review of this. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, we reviewed it, um, and I was a fan. I had a good time with it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, maybe not quite as good as uh, his Guardians films, um, but certainly much better than the original Suicide Squad and loved the where it went in the third act i mean very rare that you watch a superhero film and the third act is the strongest part of the film so you got, got to give it credit there yeah i i had a good time with it as well i watched it via hbo max like probably at the tail end of its tenure on the service um we didn't review it for catching up on cinema but both kyle and i ended up watching it independent of each other and yeah i had a fun time with it um I was happy to see um, them actually take the the concept of the comic and the title and both the title and the concept to heart where it's like it it and even the marketing like the the poster art for the movie was reminiscent of like a dirty dozen or any of those like pseudo exploitation war movies of the day where it's just like a squad of people with a particular set of skills hurl themselves into danger merry mishaps ensue and the whole like this was always my complaint about the Expendables movies. It's just like I'll watch them as long as you make them. Like case in point, like I'm I've been I've been following very closely the, all the marketing news about Expendables four and the rumored uh, uh, Jason Statham Christmas movie. His character's named Christmas, by the way. <laughs> just in case you didn't remember that, but all right, all um, right. Um, my my complaint about that franchise was always that. It's called the Expendables, and yet the body count among said Expendables is routinely zero. <laughs> it's like it's like the the idea of these men on a mission movies is they don't all make it home, and that's part of where the fun comes from. Is that you? It's like a ragtag group of people who are on a suicide mission, Suicide Squad, and the idea is you're you're never sh- you're never certain who's going to make it back at the end, uh, which is why things like the Dirty doesn't work. Um, and this movie felt very reminiscent of of that movie in particular, and it has all the James Gunnisms that that we all know and love. And on the whole, it's it's just a handsome production that is it's it's got a leg up on a lot of other superhero movies in the writing department in particular. James Gunn really does have a knack for lending humanity to characters that don't necessarily demand it. It's like it's something I've noticed. It's a quirk that I've noticed on his commentaries for his movies. I like to listen to director's commentaries every once in a while. And I notice he refers to the people on his productions as his friends. Like when he talks about Dave Bautista, he says, my friend Dave. (laughs) And like when he talks about Chris Pratt, he says, my friend Chris. Like all of the he doesn't regard them as like actors or or a or like co-workers it's like no i i hang out on the set with my friends and i think he treats his characters the same way where he he has a little bit of love for each and every one of them and so it's like it's a it's like a sense of personal responsibility that's like well i'm not just gonna put him in there and not have him like have some bit of character to him it's like they're all people at the end of the day even if they have two seconds of screen time or something or even mm-hmm. if they're a fucking weasel yeah <laughs> yeah like, yeah, he's got his own kind of like 
squad. I don't want to say squad, but like you said, when he's got his friends, like you can tell he's got his group of people that kind of follow him from film to film in some ways, like Nathan Fillion certainly is in there after working in Slither. He's in this a little bit. And yeah, definitely you can tell that his, his cast always stick up for him, which is yeah. a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. They always are very vocal. <laughs> like when, when he was attacked on Twitter or whatever, everybody stepped up and defended him very vocally. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, Michael Rooker, I'm just happy to see him in anything for any reason. Yeah. And even his brother, to some extent, it's just kind of neat that he he finds a way to include his brother on his productions, even if it's, you know, covered in a motion capture suit and, you know, layers and layers of CGI makeup. Like, I just think that's neat. <laughs> I like that he embraced the uh, the gray hair, too. I think it's a good look for him. Yeah, I saw that. And I was like, huh, he's rocking like a, a Jim Jarmusch kind of look. Yeah, <laughs> it looks makes good. him a little classier. Yeah, I mean, for a guy that like has his background, it's like I don't know. I don't know if you can actually pull that off. Like, I feel like if I got to know you a little bit, that really wouldn't be all that cohesive. But mm-hmm. like, just purely aesthetics, yeah, it looks good. Um, but uh, beside that, we have a box set of uh, Underworld Five Movie Collection, two thousand and three to twenty sixteen. Uh, do you have any particular attachment to the Underworld franchise, Brad? watched the first one a total of once um i don't know i'd be kind of curious to go into it and right now it's only 60 bucks for five movies that's pretty good on 4k yeah that's pretty good in a handsome box on top of that yeah that's that is tempting yeah i i'd be tempted as well because i mean i i do own the resident evil film franchise um they're not that great um, but I always have got a giggle out of the fact that we had two parallel sci-fi horror franchises um, featuring husband, husband, wife, directorial, and acting teams, uh, and featuring lots of leather gear and and wire foo. Um, I always thought it was funny that we had two franchise franchises paralleling each other. Um, but as it so happens, Resident Evil was the one that I actually actively followed. Um, Underworld, I dropped off. I think after the second one. And that second one did have some cool shit in it. Like it, it was plenty gory, and there were some creative monster designs in there. But I just didn't keep up with it. Um, but it is something that I have considered checking out at some point. So maybe, maybe someday. Yeah, gotta um, complete the Scott Speedman collection, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Scott Speedman, man! Like the talk about like didn't go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> um. And uh, I I need to zero in on this because this is this was the first episode, the first official episode of catching up on cinema, and this is something I actually may purchase for Kyle, whether he wants it or not. Uh, we have a unexpected Blu-ray release uh, from the Shout Select series of Nothing But Trouble, directed by Dan Aykroyd, and yes, this was episode one of catching up on cinema. And uh, this movie's fucking bonkers. <laughs> Have you seen it, Brad? I've seen it. Yeah, I do own. I own the DVD that's a double feature with Spies Like Us. Oh wow. Um, but yeah, I've been waiting for a Blu-ray on this. Not to say I'm like a huge fan of it, but you're right. It is. It is bonkers, and I think I don't know. I've only seen it the one time, and I can't say I necessarily liked it. But I, I got a feeling. I don't know. Once you kind of learn to embrace it's certain uh flavor i i i could see myself really enjoying this on a rewatch yeah i i'm actually kind of in the mood for a rewatch so i i may i may buy this for kyle but 
I'm going to do that thing where you watch it before you give it to the person. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so this movie is certainly not boring. I will yeah, 100% yeah. say that. Yeah, that that is very true. At the very least, it is not boring. Um, but yeah, it, it's a tough recommend. <laughs> but but the it is a Dan Aykroyd film, <laughs> so it it had it is from his mind very clearly. Like it could it could have come from no one else. Um, but we have a uh, a 4K release of a film that Brad had told me about uh, on our most recent tales from the shelf. Uh, that would be Deep Red uh, from Arrow um, from 1975. Uh, you have the Blu-ray, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've only got the Blu-ray on this, uh, so I did not upgrade to the 4K yet. Love both versions of this artwork. I love with the Italian title, and uh, I love that that artwork on just the regular 4K with the doll. I think that's amazing. Um, way but much better than the uh, Blu-ray artwork that I have. Not that that artwork is bad but you know this is just that's nice <laughs> it's it's a handsome package and you see i uh, the the arrow practice of of tiktok is not a victimless crime uh people like brad suffer for their for their affairs but um uh, we have a, a release that i know brad at least uh, has his eyes on he's he's gotta get it uh so we have steel dawn from 1987 this appears to be a patrick swayze film uh and it is part of the vestron video collection of which Brad owns, I believe, every entry in. Yep, I've got them all. Uh, so I will be picking this one up. Um, and I, I have heard uh, on the Blu-ray.com forums that you can get it at Walmart. So I may do my thing where I go get some Cheetos mac and cheese and uh, the next Vestron video Blu-ray and pick them up in the same trip. I got to say, I don't have much... Uh, I mean, this is just not my kind of movie. I just gotta, I'll be honest. This... It's not my kind of movie. I think it's a weird addition to the Vestron video collection. It doesn't really, from what I can tell, fit with uh, all the other ones. But uh, you got to do it. You got to do it. <laughs> I think it's I think it's funny that it's from 1987. And when I think of Patrick Swayze, I'm like, yeah, I think he was doing a lot better shit than that. <laughs> like yeah. ar- around 1987? I, 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 I thought his asking price would have been too high for something like this. But then again, I don't know who is producing this. Maybe they just like parked a fucking truck of money on his front lawn or something. But yeah, it's part of the Vestron video collection, so Brad will be picking that up eventually, uh, as well as some mac and cheese. Um, we have a shout uh, release of Killer Party from 1986. Uh, don't Breathe 2 on 4K from 2021. And did you end up seeing this one in the theater, Brad? Yeah, I did see it. Um, I definitely think I liked it slightly more than most people. Um, I do agree that it is a little problematic in having our villain from the first one take on the role of the protagonist, but as just a grimy, gory genre film, I kind of had a decent time with it. Um, But it's not great, and uh, kind of... I mean, I'm fine. I guess I'm happy that it's on 4K, but it's definitely one that I thought would have they would have stuck just Blu-ray only. Um, but uh, yeah, it's 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 okay. It's it's all right. Uh, this appears to have a different director from the first one. Was it a was it Fede Alvarez did the first one? Yeah, it, the the guy who directed this one, he like wrote the first one with Fede Alvarez, so he's got some connection to it. 
and I think Fede Alvarez might have wrote this one with him as well, or he at least produced it. He's they're they're still involved. Yeah, I see his name as a writing credit. I just thought it was interesting that we we swapped out the directors. Yeah. Um, but yeah, th- there needs <laughs> needs to be said. There's like a subgenre of uh, angry old men lashing out at the youths um, that is seemingly wildly successful. <laughs> like there is a market for this. Like just ask Lionsgate. <laughs> but um, yeah, I was unable to find any actual critiques for this film because all the all the discourse surrounding this film was just about the the idea of promoting the quote villain from the the first film to the protagonist of the second film um, so i couldn't find an actual critical assessment of the film through all that noise uh and so i didn't end up checking it out um but scott lang is a talented actor um he's surprisingly versatile but as he's gotten older i feel like he's being pigeonholed into these like angry old man lashes out the youth's roles uh, because I do think it's funny looking back on Tombstone and seeing him be kind of like cowardly weasel character. And then by the time you get to like Avatar, it's like, oh, that's the same guy. Whoa. Yeah, right? <laughs> but yeah, that's he, that's basically all he does these days. He's a goofball in the, in this movie. Both of these movies, really. But his his old man voice is like so ridiculous. Now you're going to see what I see. So it's oh, like, it's, no. So it's just it's it's. But I mean, as as a gory genre film, it kind of hits a sweet spot. Yeah, I mean, if that's what you're in the mood for, it probably hits the spot. Um, I could see myself like red boxing this one or something, but I'd still have to see the first one, which I haven't. Um, and I did hear that that's a fun ride until it's not, <laughs> and then it gets fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Do. I will say this is a bit of a spoiler, not really, but slight spoiler for the second one there's a moment where somebody is handcuffed to another person and this person is in a wheelchair um and the person that's in the wheelchair gets like shot or something and they fall on their it's like one of those automatic wheelchairs and they're beside an abandoned pool so they drive the wheelchair over into the pool and drag the other person who's handcuffed to them along with them and so the other person's hanging onto the edge of the pool while there's this dead body, and they're dry. It's I mean it's it's pretty good, uh, you know. That's a good setup. It's a good setup. Like, and so then I think there's like a, a knife nearby, so they've got to like chop the arm off. Like it's, it's like that, I'm, I mean I'm picturing it in my head, and it's probably better than what's actually in the movie. But like like storyboarded in my head, that sounds like a good setup for some tension. Like that yeah. sounds like a cool moment. Movie's got a few of those. So yeah, I mean, I don't doubt it. Like, like it does sound like a trashy fucking movie, but I watch a lot of trashy shit. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's works for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of trashy shit, uh, we have Fritz, the cat from 1972 <laughs> from Scorpion releasing. This is of course the, uh, Ralph Bakshi animated film, which is a raunchy X rated animated film. Uh, it has that particular Ralph Bakshi style to it, unmistakable. Um, I know more about that man uh, than I probably should, given that I've only seen a handful of his products. But um, <laughs> my parents owned this on VHS, and it was always a problem because there are multiple Fritz the Cats, one of whom is, you know, the black and white cat with the suitcase mm. that can carry all sorts of cool stuff and whatnot that me and my brother both liked. But on the same shelf, we had 
this Fritz the Cat. <laughs> and thankfully, it was never mistakenly put into the VCR. But I always thought it was funny that it's like we had it like with like a, a label maker strip on the tape because it was like a, a bootleg tape. And it was just bold ass letters, like big ass letters. Fritz the Cat. <laughs> and it's like, why is that Fritz the Cat so aggressive? Like, why is it so menacing? It's like, oh, it's because it's the naughty Fritz. <laughs> it's like, that's the one the kids aren't supposed to watch. So I, I've never actually seen this movie. I only know it by reputation. Um, but Ralph Bakshi is a a quirky fucking guy. Uh, if you don't, if you don't know a whole lot about him, look up some interviews. His his voice is hilarious. <laughs> it's hard to take seriously. Um, so let's pop on down to uh, Ticks on 4K. This is, of course, from uh, one of Brad's favorite labels, Vinegar Syndrome or Vincent. If you're in the fan club, um, <laughs> they should have a fan club. Uh, this is a 4K release, and uh, this is. Uh, this is a movie that uh, I desperately want to do an episode on this, Brad. Um, I want to do an episode where we talk about uh, VHS movie covers uh, from our youth. Oh, that's good, yeah. And it doesn't have to be a movie you've seen. It just has to be a cover that you that is just like seared into your memory. Is like something that you would pass by in the aisles and just be like, that, make, that creeps me out, or that's cool looking, or, or something along those lines. And Ticks... Um, certainly had a striking cover in the VHS era, such that I remember it quite well. Never seen the movie, but I remember the cover art. Um, this is kind of a surprising release on uh, on Vinegar Syndrome's uh, label. Uh, it's directed by Tony Randall, who off the top of my head, the name doesn't ring a bell. But the reason why I say it's surprising is that I've, by their standards, this feels somewhat mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I saw this at my grocery store back in the day, like back in the 90s. Um, but is this one you might check out, Brad? It is an eat up <laughs> Oh, yeah. I will definitely be checking out Ticks. Um, might wait because I don't think this will be included in their upcoming Black Friday sale. So that might have to wait until their next halfway to Black Friday sale uh, in order to get the uh, half-off discount. But I will definitely be picking this up. Seems like it's up my alley. You know, it's... I guess I don't know if it's technically an eat 'em up because I don't know if the ticks are eating them, but it's in that uh, nature run amuck genre. Um, yeah, I'm I'm excited about this. It looks uh, looks like it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, I I hope you get around to it. Let me know if you do. Um, you want to see if we can tackle all the Vin Vincent titles in a row here? Yeah, let's do it. You want me to kind of? Yeah, you want to help guide me through it because I'm I'm I I think I can spot them from their cover art, but I mm-hmm. I might miss a few. So carry on. Yeah, we got Shallow Grave from 1984. This one I actually don't know a ton about. I think it's something like uh, an evil sheriff who puts these teenagers in jail and then somehow like tries to, they escape and tries to kill them. I don't totally know everything about that one. Um, Blades is one that I am definitely excited to check out. This is a parody of Jaws that takes place on a golf course. And it is like, in terms of being a parody, it is like a taking every element of Jaws and transplanting it onto a golf course where a killer lawnmower has run amok. So, like, you've got, like, there's a stand in for every character from Jaws. Um, it, I think it opens with a young woman getting eaten by the lawnmower. Uh, they even do the thing where the three main characters go into a van 
and go out into the water to hunt the lawnmower. They go out on the course to hunt the lawnmower. And it's all taking place in the middle of a big golf tournament. So the head of the club doesn't want to shut the shut the golf course down. You know, it's it it's kind of clever how it hits those beats like so exactly. Um, and I think it'd be a lot of fun to watch. So, what else we got here? Yeah, uh, we've got uh, <clears throat> Camille Keaton in Italy. Which, uh, speaking of uh, Camille Keaton, also uh, I Spit on Your Grave 4K comes out this week. Um, she's known for that movie, and I guess this is just a collection of her films when she was uh, working in Italy. Uh, we've also got The Laughing Dead. Um, and nothing underneath slash too beautiful to die double feature. And, uh, there's a couple others listed down here, but I think we already talked about, like, did we talk about resurrection? I feel like I, yes, we did. Um, okay. all, all these ones are looking familiar. Okay. Um, so yeah, this happens on, uh, the arrangement of the blu-ray.com website every now and again. So yeah, those ones have been covered. Okay. So. I'll just roll it back a little bit and point out that uh, On the Rocks from 2020 is getting a Blu-ray release. Uh, this is a Sofia Coppola and Bill Murray uh, joint, I guess you'd call it. Um, I know you're a big fan of her earlier collaboration with him. Uh, did you check this one out? Yeah, I I, I liked this one um, a decent amount, um, but uh, it's just kind of a very, very light, just kind of like hangout film. Um, but I had a pretty good time with it, and I think, uh, you know, this isn't saying much because this was um, 2020, what was potentially the worst year for movies in cinema history, <laughs> could be eclipsed by 2021, but I do think I had it at uh, number 10 on my top 10 of the year list, which, again, not saying much. It was kind of like, I guess I got to put on the rocks at number 10. <laughs> but, wow. Uh, it was It was enjoyable enough. Yeah, uh, I've, I've heard some good things. And like I said, Lost in Translation is, is a movie I know you, you quite enjoy. So mm-hmm. I was curious what you thought of this one. But um, rolling along here, uh, we have Stillwater with Matt Damon from 2021. This was advertised on the same slate of trailers that I got the, the Marky Mark movie. Um, and to my surprise, the girlfriend wanted to see this one. I was like, really? <laughs> like, just, okay. <laughs> Nobody's judging. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. Yeah. Um, some some controversy with that though, because it's like they took the story of Amanda Knox essentially, yeah. and uh, she was not happy about that. Oh, I she, didn't. I didn't know about that. She I mean, tweeted them from... out and did a whole thing about you know not not letting her tell her own story, sort of thing, and. Yeah, I was. Uh, let's just say Matt Damon. He went through a lot of controversy with this one. I mean, that may be why this movie got buried. Uh, because, like I said, I I did see a theatrical trailer for this, but much like that Marky Mark movie, I didn't hear nothing about it after that. Like mm-hmm. I, I know it came out in theaters because it's a Matt Damon movie, but nobody talked about. It. I didn't yeah. see. I didn't see reviews for it or anything. So yeah, maybe the controversy. They just kind of snuffed it out. Um. But uh, we have Devi from 1960, which is part of the Criterion Collection. Uh, we have Summer of 84 on 4K. Yeah, that's uh, a vinegar syndrome. I fucked up. I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, Brad. That's how I'd phrase it. You fucked up. Way to go, asshole. <laughs> well, yeah. The show's ruined because Brad missed a Vincent. Let's just start over. Start from the top. 
just, just tear up that membership card to the fan club. You're not allowed. <laughs> You're barred to entry. No. Uh, we have uh, For Love or Money from Kino. Uh, this is a Michael J. Fox movie from 1993 that I don't know. Um, we have the Star Trek original series from 1966 to 1969. Um, we have some Vincent titles that I know we talked about last month. Um, we have Giallo Essentials, which is a Arrow box set from 1965 to 1971. Uh, we have, is this the Rob Zombie movie? It is. Uh, we have 31 from 2016 and apparently this is a fucking target exclusive what this this has been out before i'm pretty sure i, I know but why new... would target of all th- like wholesome french target host a exclusive edition of rob zombies 31 <laughs> yeah i think they had a target exclusive of uh the three from hell too i think i think i don't know what they must have some sort of partnership going on with rob or something i don't know maybe maybe he likes them like maybe rob zombie shops at target maybe i mean mean, he seems like a quirky guy i wouldn't be surprised i mean he he really is kind of just a gentle giant i mean not not giant but he's more uh uh not ritzy but you know he like you think he makes these violent films but he's actually a vegan and I could see where he'd shop at Target. He seems yeah. He, yeah. He's a very subdued personality. Yeah, that's the like, word to do. I could totally see him pushing a big red plastic cart, and and he would look weird as fuck. Like he'd stand out, but he'd just be like, "Hey." <laughs> but um, yeah. Uh, the reason I I zeroed in on this one is that Kyle just shat all over this movie. Like for whatever reason, like when we were working together in an office, like. We'd be talking about bad movies, movies we thoroughly did not enjoy, and he'd just go off. He'd just go on and on about how much he hated this movie. And so, of course, I had to check it out. And for, like, maybe second or third time in my life, I, I didn't finish it. I just, I just couldn't do it. I was like, as soon as that little Nazi showed up, I was like, what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, what is this? And I, I kind of want to go back and finish it just so I can commiserate with Kyle. But yeah, for the longest time, I was always just curious about this because Kyle just shat so hard on this movie. <laughs> I, yeah, I would probably... I think it's his worst film. I, I think I would say it's his worst film. I mean, according to Kyle, yeah, he could, he could make nothing but bad movies after, like from here on out, and it would never top this. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Megan is Missing uh, desperately wants to be Paranormal Activity based on that cover art. Um, although 2011, I don't know when Paranormal Activity came out. 2009. So yeah, this it is definitely okay, so trying to be. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Great. Um, <laughs> we have uh, that cover art for Boarding House from 1982 from Agfa, our, yeah. our our awesome people at Agfa, the American Genre Film Archive. Uh, they're putting out uh, Boarding House from 1982 and. Uh, it has multiple covers. Um, not sure which one I prefer, but they are both striking. Yeah, this one I am kind of curious about. This one, apparently, from what I've heard, this is the very first shot on video film to be released theatrically. So they shot it was shot on video, but then they converted it into an actual film print, and show it was shown theatrically, which is kind of an interesting little oddity, I guess. 
Yeah, that, that's neat. And I'm just glad we have Agfa. That's just a cool concept. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I have yet to find exactly the right film to pick up from them, but I, I, I keep an eye on the releases these days because I'm, I'm anxious to check out one of their products. But um, I'll just point out Hajime no Ippo, The Fighting, uh, 2001 to 2003. This is collection number three of the anime series. Uh, I am a huge fan of the series, um, and that's all. <laughs> I doubt many people are going to buy this, especially considering how old the series is at this point, but uh, I, I am a huge fan, and it's grossly underappreciated. Um, we have another Lionsgate film, uh, Warning, from 2021. Uh, no guns on the cover, but there is a man in a spacesuit, and I have noticed they have been doing that a lot lately. A lot of mm-hmm. Lionsgate covers with astronauts and space people. Uh, so space people and guns, man. If you can get both on the cover, Papa Lionsgate is very happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I'm, I don't even know what the fuck this is, but Shattered Dead from Vinegar Syndrome, uh, 1994. Uh, just the cover art is horrendous. Like I, I hope they change this because I, I don't expect this is coming out in October. Uh, this appears to be like an advanced cover or something, but the fonts, but the message at the top of the cover, God hates you. Shatter dead. It's like, yeah. This one what? technically uh, <laughs> being released by Saturn's core. Um, so they've been releasing a lot of uh, very sleazy exploitative. I don't even know what their, what their gimmick is, but they, uh, they released that documentary mail order murder about the, uh, I don't even remember, but where you could like have basically people film a, uh, they would make a feature length fetish video for you essentially with the plot and everything. Um, and they also released Psycho Sisters, which I think was one of those um, mail order sort of like uh, exploitation films that you could just have, you know, have them create for you. Uh, but yeah, I don't know much about this one. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't intend to do much much research. I just thought the cover "God Hates You" <laughs> Shattered Dead. It's like uh, Shattered Dead doesn't make me think of anything remotely religious, but apparently God hates me. So, I mean, we already proved I'm a bad person because Inglorious Bastards and in my that's true. Yeah, less than stellar take on it. So yeah, I I guess that's appropriate. It's targeted explicitly at me. But um, moving along, uh, we have a uh, Vincent. Uh, I assume it's a documentary. Um, Death of Nintendo 2020. Um, and this is through their Altered Innocence uh, label. Yeah, I don't think this is actually a documentary. Um, I could be wrong, but... Um... Uh, the description is extraordinarily loose. It just says, In the early 1990s, a teenager and his gang of friends enjoy their summer playing games as they grow up. So yeah, not a documentary. Um, but I don't know what it is. Uh, the cover art has a kind of a ghost world vibe to it. <laughs> yeah, the Altered Innocence, they do a lot of just kind of like uh, coming-of-age films. Um, so it kind of would be in, an indie coming-of-age film in that zone, I think. Gotcha. Uh, they have a Toronto International Film Festival uh, label there on the cover, so there you go. did something right. <laughs> you can't get that certified fresh. you got to slap one of those on it. <laughs> I mean, play every card you got, man. Uh just just have a conversation with Papa Lionsgate. He he knows a, he knows a couple of tricks. <laughs> um, uh, Shit and champagne from 2020. I don't know what that is, but that title, good God. Um, 
There is something called Insectula from 2015. Kind of dig the cover art. And uh, I'm about tapped out. However, I will point out that uh, Mobile Suit Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans, the complete series, is coming out. Um, I've been very curious about checking out this particular anime series. That is not something I do very often. It's like once in a blue fucking moon. Um, however, I've been very curious uh, because I am a Gundam fan. And uh, I've heard this one is particularly fucking brutal, uh, which is not typical of the franchise. Uh, so I And I, like, I love the mechanical designs in it, too. Um, so I may actually shell out for this one. Because I'm a big fan of just getting it all done. Like, if it's a TV series, I don't want to buy individual seasons. Just give me that big old box. Mm -hmm. Just get it all in here. And then I can be pissed off about how much money I spent (laughs) Um, as I plow through the whole series. But uh, I think that's about it, unless there's anything else you want to point out, Brad. No, I think that covers it. All right. Well, uh, as we tend to do here, uh, we'll wrap things up with just a a quick rundown of anything that we we might purchase or uh, seek out at the very least. Uh, so I'll give Brad some time to collect his thoughts as I go backwards through the release catalog here. Uh, so as I said, Mobile Suit Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans the Complete Series. Um, now that it is in a box as opposed to multiple boxes, uh, that actually makes it much more appealing to me than, than it would be otherwise. So I may actually grab that. Um... Scrolling up here, there's a lot of good shit, but not shit I'm particularly interested in. Uh, nothing but trouble <laughs> is is the kind of shit I'm apparently interested in. Uh, I will very likely purchase a copy of this for Kyle, um, and I'll and I I don't think I need a second copy for my collection, um, but I I very much would like to watch it before I hand it off to him. Um, Fuck off, Snake Eyes. You're not getting my money. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Scream is a maybe, especially since I know the girlfriend hasn't seen it, and she she does like her her 90s shit. Like like she she's a big fan of Clueless. If she likes mysteries too, I mean that's she really likes mysteries too. That's right up her alley, then I'd say. And I feel like the the scare factor is just right, where it's like it's not gonna like terrify her. It's just it's just like ah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's about the extent of it and then the rest of it's fun so uh, scream is a big maybe uh silence of the lambs i still i still don't know which one Brad. <laughs> i don't know which one but I'm, i know i'm gonna get some version of that film so it's either gonna be the 4k or the criterion um not in a hurry though because it's 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 not a priority um misery as i said if it had come out uh, like Two months later, two months earlier, maybe I would have picked it up. But for now, it's just like, I don't need it right now. <laughs> Inglorious Bastards, you're not getting my money. But I definitely <laughs> should rewatch it. Um, not going to lie, the, the stand does intrigue me a little bit. Because I, I really do want to see that, even if it's bad. Especially if it's bad, in fact. Because I know the 90s version's bad. I don't expect the 2021 version's good. Um but I, I like the story. I like Stephen King's conventions to his narratives. Um, and I, I was a little bit bitter about the fact that I wasn't able to check it out when it was fresh. Um, so that's a maybe as well. Um, Hunt for Red October is also a maybe. But that's about it for me. Uh, how about you, Brett? 
Let's see here. Um, I will be definitely getting... Um, not that. Uh, <laughs> Snake I'll, eyes? Yeah, no. <laughs> I'll probably pick up... I want to pick up the, the Collingswood story, that uh, early Screen Life, uh, the proto-Scream Life movie there. Um, and I don't any, own any Cauldron Films releases, so that would be my first. So that would be uh, worth getting for that alone, I guess. Um, let's see, the second week here. Don't think anything there. I already got The Silence of the Lambs, so that is one I already have. Scream, I'll, I'll agree with you. It's it's a maybe. I have just recently watched it, but uh, you know it's one I always come back to, so I'm sure I'll get it at some point. Um, probably will be getting old, because I've got to either find out if I was uh, completely justified in what I said or completely off my rocker. Um, let's see. Um, pro I probably will also get uh, Nothing But Trouble. It's been a while, and uh, it's one that a lot of people have been wanting to come out on Blu-ray. So I, I think, yeah, I think i got to pick it up. Um, and, of course, I will have to get Steel Dawn just because it's a Vestron title. And the Vinegar Syndrome titles, like, I'll, I'll definitely be getting ticks, but it's going to be a while before I pick that one up. So I won't even, I won't include that. Yeah, pretty, all around pretty good selection. In fact, yeah. this episode ran a lot longer than I was expecting, so clearly there was stuff to talk about. Although, good stuff. We, we did talk about Scream a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's a micro micro review of all of Scream. Before we even got to the Scream release, ironically enough, which uh... that tends to happen. Like like this is what happens when I don't take a minute to review the list before we get to it. I forgot it came out too, so it's on me too. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, thanks so much for joining me, Brad. I really appreciate you helping me plow through this uh calendar. But uh, before we go, you want to let the folks at home know uh, where they can find you and your podcast and yeah. uh, also your uh, YouTube channel. Yeah, uh, it's the Cinema Speak podcast. So we're on iTunes as a, or we're up, well, I messed that up. We're, at, we're on <laughs> everywhere as Cinema Speak, including iTunes, I guess. Um, but we're on Twitter at the Cinema Speak, on Instagram, Cinema Speak podcast. And we're on YouTube as Cinema Speak. And uh, you can find us on the web at cinemaspeak.libsyn.com. All right, Brad. So now you have two sound bites you can add to your board. You need Kurt Russell saying, no. And then you need uh, Joe Pesci from uh, My Cousin Vinny standing up and saying, yeah, everything that guy just says bullshit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or you can take one out of my book and just if if you flub it, you can just say, just, just fucking Google it. <laughs> uh, but speaking of Googling it, um, if you'd like to catch up on any of our Catching Up on Cinema content, uh, you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. And you can also find us on the Instagram at Catching Up on Cinema, as well as the Twitter at Catching Cinema. Uh, the podcast is also available on pretty much every podcasting platform you can imagine including cephalopod uh so fucking google it uh but that being said thank you so much for joining us and uh we will catch you next time 